Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And returning to the studio, as always, it is your coach. It is my coach. It is the coach, Coach Duffy. Yeah, sorry, I was running behind, guys. I had to take some selfies with the fans. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you might have been uh, filling out your application or completing your resume for a potential Giants uh, head coaching job. No, because if the rumors are swirling that are true, I'm sitting happy ducky right now. Yeah, you got to sit there and practice your clapping. Yeah. That's the one thing you have to work on. What are you asking about the clapping? Stay tuned and find out. But definitely join in the conversation on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can find all the links to our social media accounts and use the hashtag ODPH because we have a lot to talk in the land of sports about. And you know we kick it off with our locks and leaps during the NFL season. So, Pad, why don't you break it down? Boy, you know what? I'll start off. I almost cursed another fan base. Holy sugar cookies. Uh, chose the New Orleans Saints to defeat the Carolina Panthers because I'm looking at it going, you know what? It's the Saints. It's in the Dome. It's against the Panthers and Kyle Allen. And let's be honest, the Panthers aren't looking that good. And Carolina decided to make a game out of this. Final score ended up being 34-31. to 31. Kyle Allen, 23-36 of 36 for 256 yards passing. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Drew Brees, 30-39 of 39 for 311 yards. Three touchdowns and one interception. This game was a roller coaster ride from mm-hmm. start to finish. Coach, I, I left work. Side story: I left work and was checking the game because hey, it was my lock. I wanted to see how it goes, and I forget what the score was, but it was one that looked like all right. You know, it's the Saints; they got this in hand. Got home, made made myself a snack, and and popped on you know whatever game was on locally. I forget which, and I looked at the score. And, oh my God, what happened? It was tied. Yeah, Coach, when you saw the score of this game, did you really think it was going to be this close? No, I mean I was really shocked. Like. I thought Carolina was kind of defensively, they're still there. Like, yeah, they're sure. pretty good defense. Sure. But offensively, I thought they were so up. I mean, Kyle Allen had kind of started to see some wrinkles, you know, as far as his ability to play at an elite level for, you know, duration of time. He, you know, last two games, he did not very, looked very good. So I, I definitely thought the, uh, you know, the rust was starting to shine on him. And I thought the, that New Orleans was going to jump on this and mm-hmm. just take full advantage of it. But, you know, lo and behold, all of a sudden Kyle Allen busts out the the rushing, and now he comes out shining like a new car here. I mean, he looked great. Yeah. Three touchdowns. You can't complain about that. You know, my biggest gripe with Carolina was that, you know, they still tried to get McCaffrey touches, but, I mean, only 64 yards on the ground. Uh, I know New Orleans, you know, run defense has been vastly improved from what it was, you know, last year, but it's like you got to get him in open space more. And um, then uh, New Orleans, it's like what – week to week to week to week. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like the NFC South has just become this week of like, you know, who are they or what are they? Who's got the hot hand? Yeah, like whoever's like dealing the best hand right now is going to be winning games. And, you know, you would think that New Orleans, after the last week, you know, the whooping that they put on Tampa Bay, you would have thought they would have came out and played a little more consistent at home. Yeah, But it's like apparently when they go back home, they're too busy on Bourbon Street because they are just falling to pieces at home. I mean, listen, as one who has been to Bourbon Street, uh, I can understand them falling to pieces. It is a fun place. Well, that's the thing, though, is like, you know, New Orleans at home, it was like, oh, you can't can't go to the Superdome and play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy, like. You're going to go down there, the fan base, they're going to get rowdy. You know, you can't hear yeah. anything. 
you're yeah. in trouble. And now it's like the last two weeks. Uh, well, obviously not the last two weeks, but the week before last week and now this week, you know, teams have gone into the Superdome and took it to them. No, yeah, it's one of those things that, like, you just just looking at the box score, you can see, you know, the Saints were definitely looking to prevent the run because, like you mentioned, 64 uh, yards rushing from Christian McCaffrey on 22 carries. So they were trying to feed him the ball all darn day long, but New Orleans was just expecting it. Flip the coin and you look at receiving – uh, secondary needs to start looking for some stuff, or they need to start focusing on their pass defense a little bit more because DJ Moore, 126 yards, two touchdowns on six catches. Slightly ridiculous, to say the least. A little bit. But this goes to show what Coach touched upon. The NFC South is the land of uncertainty mm-hmm. because trying to define who a team is there. What are they? Who are they? What are they? Exactly. You can't. And we figured, okay, the Saints would be the creme de la creme of this division. Yeah. And statistically, they are. But when they are showing weaknesses in their armor, such as we saw, and Carolina, give credit to where credit is due, as Coach touched upon, their defense is still the same defense you know Carolina is going to bring every week. Oh, yeah. But when Kyle Allen is lighting you up for 256, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to really question – are we ready for the playoffs? I mean, if I'm New Orleans, I'm definitely worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially you look at they got San Francisco coming up here in a couple weeks. And then after that game, they have the uh, Colts on Monday Night Football. So it's not like they got a slouch schedule here at the end of the season. Or I'm asking for a road game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because whatever the mystique of the Superdome, it appears to be fading. And that is so weird to say. Because when you think about stadiums and certain teams, when you go to their home turf, it's virtually a lock that they're not going to lose. Well, I mean, the only thing I can kind of equate it to is, at least in terms of sound, and, you know, okay, yes, Seattle, 12th man, but what's the one thing you hear in the NBA? Oklahoma City and how loud it is and just mm-hmm. how vocal it is. You haven't really heard that the last few years that they've been in the playoffs and made that. So, you know, maybe it's something akin to that. You know, the team's there, but they're just not performing as well, and they're not. the fans aren't really getting that amped up for or what, what the, what's going on in the field. Well, I don't know necessarily if that's the case. I think just with the team in general, since Breeze is back, it should be business as usual, and they yeah. should be barn burners lighting up teams left and right. For Yeah, they should be. I mean, this shouldn't even have been with the way that Carolina had played going into this game. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, you know, obviously is probably the best, you know, most talented running back in the NFL right now. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. that's a weapon that you have to deal with. But, I mean, when you look at the, the body of work that Kyle Allen had put in going into this week, New Orleans defense should have been able to jump all over this team at home and just spank them by a minimum of 21 points. Right, and you look at this New Orleans team, okay, they're 9-2. and two. Their two losses are the fluke loss they had against the Falcons a couple weeks ago, hey. and then the week two loss where Drew Brees went out after playing all of, like, 30 seconds. You know, so you take that out, they're 9-0 and oh, essentially. Yeah, you would think that they would be undefeated at this point. You have to kind of assume that that would yeah. be the case. But from what we've seen, that defense is getting very suspect. The offense is looking okay. Yeah. The offense, even with Breeze back in that lineup, they don't look like they've really lost that much of a step. You have Kamara. He's putting up numbers. Murray is actually having a little bit of a renaissance lately for the running game. Michael Thomas, you gave him all that money. He's definitely earning it, you know, 101 yards and a touchdown. So the offensive side is putting up points. It's just the defense is showing some, you know, like I said, cracks in the armor mm-hmm. and especially this game carolina should have won oh yeah but it comes down to kicking i'll say because if memory serves the line on this game was something like 10 or 14 points it, it was high at one point it got down to five and a half yeah but either way carolina 
should have won this game because they did mm-hmm. outplay them. Yeah. The Saints got lucky, and especially when they got the ball back after that missed field goal, Drew Brees proved why he's one of the best doing it. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. that he's not going to succeed in the under two minutes. It's you, just not happening. Yeah, you gave him way too much time, and he just drove right down the field, set up yep. for the kick, and it's say no more. So for the Saints, got to get back on the winning track, and this was a good way to get going. Yeah. But – you got to be more consistent on the defensive side of the ball if you're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. Carolina, you have to think the season is done for them as far as playoffs are going to go. Yeah. It's not looking good. I mean, they could make a run. They just have to run the table, which is not unheard of, but no, it's, highly it's unlikely. Not, it's not unheard of, but, you know, like you said, things aren't looking good. As we uh, record, they are currently 5-6 and sixth and tied with the both the Eagles and Bears record-wise, uh, and they're sitting in the 10th uh, playoff spot. And the Eagles did not help their own case, too, especially dropping one at home in a very ugly game for them. Yeah. And this was your leap as well, Pat. Yep. So I took the Seattle Seahawks to win when they were uh, not favored. They were underdogs going into this game. Uh, Final score, 17-9. Russell Wilson, 13 of 25 for 200 yards passing. One touchdown, one interception. Carson Wentz, 33 of 45 for 256 yards passing. One touchdown, two interceptions. Coach, your thoughts on this? First off, the NFC East is a wreck is the worst division it's in football. terrible i mean they shouldn't even allow the winner of the division to make the playoffs so the current division leader has a win percentage of 545 i mean the whole philly thing i this team also doesn't make any sense to me i mean defensively they're not great they're playing better mm-hmm. um but they're just it's very very obvious that this team does not play well with carson wentz at the helm no i mean it's just you can't deny it. Like it's too. There's too much. Just there. There. It's too much. There. Like it's too. There's too many instances where it's just like guys have clearly given up on a play that he's still trying to to, to scramble and make a play on. And I don't know if it's a locker room issue or if they just don't like his personality or they were Foles guys and they opted for once. But you know, it's just like it's very clear that there is a division in that locker room of. You know, guys that wanted to play for once and guys who didn't want to play with once. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a majority that they didn't want to play with once. I mean, it's definitely a weird thing because, I mean, you look at the stats. Russell Wilson got sacked six times yesterday, but, yeah. you know, from the uh, Eagles defense. And then on the flip side, the uh, Seahawks only ran 57 total plays and had the ball for just over 28 minutes. So you're looking at this going, okay, you know, Eagles have more plays, more time and possession, should have won this game, but they didn't. They didn't do enough on offense to really move the chains. They were moving, but not enough to really make a dent into the Seattle defense, who played lights out. They played great. Well, so yeah, that, I mean, that's, 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 that's the thing, though. I'm looking at this now. Eagles, 23 first downs to Seattle's 14. Yeah. and, that and was, Philly, Well, Philly was hurt, too. I mean, they had a... Yeah. They had a few guys, a few wide receivers out on injury, so that certainly doesn't help you going against that you know, Ooh. Seattle defense. Ooh, I think I found the... Uh, glaring issue with the Eagles there. Five turnovers, three fumbles, and two interceptions. That mm. certainly doesn't help. Ooh. No, it, it didn't, and you give Russell Wilson and company that much opportunity. And this is with the Seahawks committing 12 penalties. Yeah, it was. 12 accepted penalties. Like I, I said, this say. game was nothing really to write home about, per se. Just Seattle went in there and did their job, and they looked great when they were really moving the ball. I mean, the running game was right on point. Oh, yeah. You could not take anything away from them on that st- end standpoint. Did they really establish the run? I mean, Rashad Penny had 129 and a touchdown. Carson was a good you know change of pace back, but only 26 yards. 
But when they're running the ball right down Philly's throat and Philly has no answer when Wentz gets back on the field, it's going to be a long day. And for Wilson, I mean, he was the one who was doing the flea flicker play that almost got it put in for a touchdown shortly after it did. Right. When you know a team is doing well is when they're pulling stuff like that out of the playbook. And for Philly, they went, what, one field goal in the first quarter and then there was nothing until the fourth? When yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When your offense is that anemic, you're not going to win games. It was kind of like a role reversal when they faced the Bills because they were running the ball down the Bills' throat. The Bills couldn't score. Now all of a sudden we flip it to Seattle, and yet it's like the role reversal that takes full place. It's definitely a win that Philly needed because, I mean, you look at the standings. They're currently in second place to the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is 6-5. and five, Philly is 5-6. and six. Definitely needed this win, especially when you look at Philly's schedule at the end of the year. Okay, they got Miami next week. Then they've got uh, two games against the Giants, a game against the Redskins, and a game against Dallas. So out of their you know remaining five, six games left in the season, all but one of them are division. With two teams sitting at two and eight, and every team in the NFC East could still win the division right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how bad it is. Yeah, that the two teams at two and eight could still miraculously pull out a run, finish seven and nine, and win the division. It's that bad. It is that bad, and there's nothing really to say other than Philly, if they're going to make a run in the playoffs, have to answer a lot of questions. I mean, there won't, be, there won't be a run in the playoffs. No, <laughs> I don't think I don't think they make it at this point. I now really, that NFC West, though. That NFC that, West. That is quite the division. Is a whole other ballgame, which Seattle, it's hard to say that after like how they've been 9-2 and two, that they are the second-best team in that division. But it's it's a, Isn't but that it's crazy? It's yeah. Like, I say, yeah. I mean, between them and San Francisco, who put on a clinic Sunday oh, night. Whipping. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, whipping, man. This, we knew that was going to be the game of the week, and I don't think Baltimore and Los Angeles are going to be as good tonight, per se. Like I said, no. I, I think the Ravens are going to definitely do their job and get the win. But for that game last night, for Seattle, this was so important to maintain a win because San Francisco is a game up on them. And it's not. Yeah, m- no. It, Seattle definitely needed this win, especially when you know you've got San Francisco running like they're a sprinter in a marathon who's been training for this all their life, and and you know you can't afford to even have a misstep or a stumble or like step off a curb wrong. Mm-hmm. And this is going to come back to haunt them if they decide to have a miscue. But Seattle definitely did the right thing. They're in the toughest division in football. Uh-huh. We flipped the coin to the weakest division in football. That's where I took my leap. That's where I had a little faith going on for the coach. Told you. I was like, maybe this is going to turn around because I have no faith in Mitchell Trubisky. Told you. And, and they announced. On, I it, said it, it was bad. It was announced on Saturday that Mitchell Trubisky was going to be playing the game for the, for the Giants. Or not the Giants, excuse me. The Bears on Sunday and the collective internet went, oh, that's not good for the Bears. No, it wasn't. And the Giants, <laughs> I mean, the Giants should have had this game, but they didn't. 19-14, they took the L. Pad, you got those stats? Yep. Daniel Jones, uh, 21 of 36 for 150 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Mitchell Trubisky, 25 of 41 for 278 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Coach, I need your take on this. I mean, I've I've yelled, I've ranted, I've raved, I've lost my voice, I've lost my... Built a shrine, destroyed it. I, I've broken my heart too many times, and not, it doesn't go anywhere. So I'll just say this, that... I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Schumer is a coordinator at best. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. absolutely getting. I mean, when Matt Nagy comes out and out coaches you, yeah. when he calls a timeout on a two point conversion midway through the third quarter because they weren't lined up right, you know you're in trouble mm-hmm. when that guy out coaches yeah. you. Yeah. Listen, and I'm on the camp only because I want to see him succeed. 
you, you got to trade Saquon Barkley. It is not fair to this young man that he is put in this position because at least when Barry Sanders played in Detroit, they had at least the ability to get him the ball in space and let him be successful. And, you know, he was on bad teams, but they still at least had an offensive line that could block. This team is incapable of blocking immovable objects that don't move. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't even block a barn, you know, collectively. I, I wonder how they practice with the blocking dummy at, at, or the, the sled at practice. They probably can't even move the thing. It's embarrassing. Defensively, you know, they played good. Like, I'm like... You know, Julian Love got in the game. Look what Julian Love did. He got well, an interception. So you, so you held the Bears to just three points at halftime. That's, you know, I now I realize it's the Bears and it's Mitchell Trubisky, but still. Right, like, well, the it, way that they were Swiss cheese all every week before that. Right, I mean, yeah. you look at the Giants who are going into this game are 2-8, and eight, like holding the Bears to three points at halftime. That's a good look. Now, the, obviously, the, the rumor out there that if Jason Garrett gets let go by the Cowboys, that there's a possibility if the Giants fire Schumer, that this is a realistic thing that, um, you know, they're going to pick up Garrett. I'm all for that. You you Giants fans out there that, you know, all rag on Garrett. Listen, this man, while he's been the coach of Dallas, has led the team to the playoffs, I believe, every year, but maybe like two. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that as your head coach? You're nuts. Yeah. Like, please, at this point, I will take anybody with success. You know, and if he brings Kellen Moore over to be the coordinator, I will love that because the work that Kellen Moore has done with Dak Prescott, I mean, you watched it in the Patriot yeah. game. Dak looked very, very yeah. good. Dak looked really good. I mean, good. he's not great, but no. he looks good. He's serviceable. You know, he's serviceable. And I think that if you get him around, you know, Daniel Jones, that there is the potential that the two of them, you know, might be able to build a relationship. And then Kellen Moore might even be able to get a head coaching job because he'll be that next hot young coordinator like a McVay or and the guy in Cincinnati who left, you know, that they're young coaches that they, that these guys want to covet. So it's just, you know, I just, we got what, six more weeks left of this? Something like that. Six more weeks. I mean, if the Giants need any work, it's definitely on certain aspects of the offensive side of the ball. You know, the glaring thing, like looking at the team stats for the game yesterday, that's just like smacking me in the face here. One of 12 on third down. Uh, I mean, I might you, you can't convert once on third down and expect to win a game. I was so I was cheering for Washington so much in their game because I was like, if they can win this game and go to two and eight and sit there tied with the Giants in this draft order, I will be so stoked because I mean, if Haskins looks like he's going to be the guy for Washington, which I don't see them going out and drafting a quarterback if they are the top end of the draft, um, so that you know they would be after Chase Young. This guy's got. I mean, I I was forced to watch this Ohio State game mm-hmm. on Saturday, and I mean, this kid is electric. They, I, I, I mean, I put it on a Giants message board, and people didn't really get that I was joking, but I said, put ninety two on Chase Young and watch him have a Hall of Fame career. Because this kid is going to be the real deal. That's a bold statement. Well, I mean, I'm not saying actually give him the number. No, I mean, no, no, but the yeah. comparison. Yeah, the compare. I mean, yeah. this guy is going to be a playmaker. And especially when you put him in a, in a defense where they can scheme him right because he can do it standing up. He can do it in two, three-point stance. He can do it in a four-point stance. You can put him at de- defensive tackle and let him rush that way. You can put him at the end and let him rush. You can put him at linebacker and let him rush. This guy has a nose for the football that, you know, you see these teams – Look at all the things that have that p- these good teams have in common. San Francisco, New England, Chicago in the beginning of the year. You know, what do they all have as far as common denominators? 
Great defense. Good pass rushing. And that's what wins games. Your pass rush has to be able to get after the quarterback with your front four and not have to blitz all the time. And when you have a team that blitzes all the time, that's when you expose your defensive backs, which, let's face it, in the NFL have not been elite for the last few years. You know, there's a lot, there's way more Bethayas than there are, uh, you know, Wilson Chandlers in the, or, uh, uh, Chandler and Chandler Jones. Chan- yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I'm thinking uh, the Chandler, the safety from uh, Seattle that's now in Baltimore. There's oh, Cam Chandler. Cam Chandler. There's way less of them than there are of Bethea's, mm-hmm. meaning bad defensive backs. So when you leave them exposed because you have to blitz four or five, guys, you know, three or four to rush, you know, to get the quarterback, you're exposed. And that's what happens every week with the Giants. They blitz everybody, and then boom, Mitchell Trubinsky looks like a freaking Hall of Fame quarterback having, you know, uh, 276 yards and slinging the ball over the place. I'll say blitzing every down only works in Madden. Yeah, and and even, it, even that all and the time. even then it doesn't even work all the time. I mean, look at New England. I mean, as smart as Belichick is, he doesn't. Bl- he, I mean, they'll send three, oh, yeah. and they won't blitz all the time, and they'll drop guys back. And look what the success was to beat New England in the Super Bowl. The Giants only needed to rush their front four. Yeah, it was Strahan, it was Tuck, it was Osiuminyora, it was all those guys just getting after the quarterback and making plays. And that's not even getting to the offense side of the ball, where you have arguably the second best running back, the Christian McCaffrey, and he's rushing for pennies on the dime. Fifty nine yards. Fifty nine freaking yards on and seventeen the, touches. And the week before that against the Jets, he's rushing for negative one. Come on! And if his ankles hurt, don't play him. Yeah, don't so freaking play him. Uh, one hundred and eighteen attempts on four hundred and sixty one yards for the year. Oh. Oh. So I guess the question now for the Giants is how soon do we go into the rebuild mode? You you're already in it. You yeah. you had to be in it last year. Yeah. Right. I mean the the it, first off, I mean the trade the, the I mean let's go back to the offseason when you trade Odell Beckham and you choose, you know, Odell over Eli Manning for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That's what caused all of this. You have no weapons. No, you 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 will I think once they benched Eli and put in Daniel Jones you already had like that one foot in the door of a rebuild. Like, all right, we're, yeah. we're going to start rebuilding, but we got to see where we're going from here. You've got to rebuild the rebuild because Daniel Jones is showing, you know, I, I know Giants fans were excited and, and amped up and, you know, bright ray of sunshine, but, like, the clouds have rolled in. I, I'm well, just saying, like, you know, you trade OL and you have no weapons offensively, so what do you do? You have nothing. You know, I mean, you can't let a young quarterback not have a weapon offensively and ex- expect success. Well, that's what I'm saying. They yeah. need to go full rebuild in this oh, yeah. like, which you said they've already started, but no, they have to go full. And I don't think they should trade Barkley. I, I don't, especially if you have Jason Garrett coming in. No, I'm not saying trade Barkley in the sense that you need to trade him so you can get more pieces. Yeah. I'm saying trade him because I don't see any commitment to him for him to be successful. Well, and that's what I mean. Well, I think when you get Garrett in there, because I think if, if all intents these purposes. Are, these are ifs right now. Well, no, it's ifs. But I think either way, Schumer's gone at the end of the season. I don't think he's six right Oh, yeah. No, there's I don't no know. way. The report came out today from uh, it wasn't uh, the Fox guy. It was somebody else that said that as of right now, the Giants don't have Mara on the hot seat. Now, well, this is only week 10 or week 11. This is week 12. Week 12. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of things can change between now and then. But you got to face it here. Daniel Jones, their their number one task right in that, with this year with Schumer was make Daniel Jones be successful. And when you have a guy who is statistically on pace to set a rookie record that only Fran Tarkenton and Deshaun Watson have set before, 
that's successful, unfortunately. It's going to be a really interesting question for the Giants. And I said I wasn't going to rant. I still I couldn't no, even, I went off. I couldn't even help it. This, this is why this is why I picked <laughs> it because last week we didn't have a coach Duffy Giants. Yeah. I need I, this. I need I this. I literally was like, you know what? I'm not even I'm, I I said it. I'm not going to rant. And then here I go. You know, it just came right off the tongue. I mean, it's a mess. It's it's it it's unfortunate and it's frustrating because I really oh, Saquon Barkley should be electric. We should, he should be. We should all be when when he gets the ball in his hands, we should all be collectively grasping, you know, straws and being. <gasps> yeah, you should be seeing the highlights on every sports show in the country. Yeah, I mean, uh, just think back to that first preseason game when he jumped over somebody in the middle of a pile. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that oh, was yeah. amazing, and we haven't gotten those. Now, listen, I mean, there is some, you know, rumors and some circulation that th- that ankle issue uh, is lingering, and it is uh, a lot worse than what was let on. But that's why I'm saying, if 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 it's enable inhibiting him from being the player that he really needs to be, then don't play him. And they should deactivate him because you have to think long term. Yeah. No matter what's going to happen in the coaching situation. And, and, and Sterling Shepard, the fact that the man has had two concussions this year and yeah. he's still playing is irresponsible. Yeah, it's very irresponsible. I, I, I fully agree with you. I 30, mean, 30 catches on 282 yards and one touchdown. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can't have a guy out there that has had two concussions within, you know, what, three, four, five weeks of each other? That's something stupid. like that. Yeah, two concussions that close together. And when he's not exactly your number one offensive product in production and like, all right, listen, he's had two concussions. We don't want to risk a third one Take take the rest. Yeah, I mean that's what ruined. Uh, I mean now his name's escaping the the slot receiver that the Giants had in the Super Bowl against the, the first Super Bowl against the Patriots. I mean that ruined his career because Tyree? he had back. Huh? David Tyree? No, that was a no, tie, that, was, that a was a tight end. end. Uh, Victor Cruz? No, not Victor Cruz. I'm Plexico? not going to remember him. No, it was a slot receiver. Uh, but his career was ended because he had back to back concussions. That you know the Giants end up releasing him. He signs with Philly, and he gets another concussion during training camp, and he retires. I mean, look at Austin Collie. I think it was Co- Steve Smith, but it, it's not him. Think I mean Austin Collie when he was with the Colts. You know, really athletic. Oh yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. Barn burner, and then two concussions, two three concussions, and out of the league. Yeah. I mean, so now you're sitting here like with 12 weeks to go in a two and eight season. And it's like you really want to risk another risk a yeah. third for no reason yeah you know keep this guy out let him practice and and keep his head you know keep his head straight <laughs> literally mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No. and that's what they need they need to do the giants just need to do a complete overhaul and really get their priorities in, in check because if this continues they're not going to get out of anywhere no way they're going to be talking playoffs for a couple of seasons and I know, I know. Right now, it, it's sitting on the outside looking in. You have you have some pieces that you can start building, but you need the right head of the ship to do exactly. it. Exactly, and they don't have that right now. No, they don't. So it's going to have to come to the off season to figure out. Okay, are we going to stay in this direction, or do we need to do something drastic? I think the feeling is you have to do something drastic because if you're wasting away Saquon Barkley's greatest years, and where he's the fresh runner and he's got all the energy that he can bring to the team. You have to do something. Yeah, I mean, and, think and, about shelf life of a running back. And you say the, the reports now are, you know, that he's not on the hot seat. They got a Monday night football game coming up against the Eagles in Philly. Ugh. And then you've got the game after that against Miami and Washington. And then you got Philly to close out the year. I think you look at that stretch of things and just how it plays out mm-hmm. with the New York media. I think that's when you really start to find out if he's on the hot seat. The, the, only, the only hopeful thing is if they get blown out on Monday night and just embarrassed. That will be the only thing that could, you know, that would help get Schumer out there. Yeah. And I mean, I'm listen. I'm not is wishing ill will. I'm just saying, like, you know, Matt Nagy 
for as good as he was last year, has been abysmal as a head coach this year. I mean, literally mental mistakes out the wazoo, calling timeouts on two-point conversions, you know, pulling Trubinsky, saying that he has a hit pointer, even though he looked fine, you know, warming up. I mean, they were warming up uh, uh, Chase Daniels on the sideline midway through the second quarter after Mitch Trubinsky threw his first interception. Mm. So it's like, you know, now you're messing with this kid's head, you know, so you're scrambling as a head coach, but when you out-coach the guy on the other sideline mm-hmm. and you're head coaching like this, that's not a good look. No, it definitely isn't. So for the Giants, obviously, they got some work to do. Chicago, ah! Chicago, they have more work to do as well because, yeah, it was a win, but still not enough to really write home about. And obviously, playoffs are slowly, no, they're done. Uh, yeah, are slipping away for both teams. But since no, well, not the Giants, because they could go 7-9 and nine and still make that NFC East. So you're saying there's still a chance. There's still a chance, people. So let's jump and take a quick break, shall we? We're going to continue talking the NFL when we come back. Hit us up on the social media accounts on OchoDuroParleyR.com and join in the conversation. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Vince, the Cowman C. Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the Citro Seven's up and coming newest podcast. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Still talking those locks and leaps, and let's talk about coaches' locks and mm-hmm. leaps now. Because Pat and I talked about ours last segment. So, Coach, take it away with your lock. You had the mighty Cleveland Browns jumping back in the situation. I said they were going to play inspired football for the suspension of Miles Garrett, and by God, was I right on this one. Pad, go ahead. We'll say uh, Cleveland defeated the Miami Dolphins by the final score of 41 to 24. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 21 of 39 for 214 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Baker Mayfield, 24 of 34, 327 yards for three touchdowns and one interception. I listen. I knew it was low hanging fruit, and I jumped on it. But I, I really did. I really thought like with the suspension of Miles Garrett, you know, the way that the locker room really, you know, hovers around him, being the fact that he is a captain in probably one of the longest tenured Browns that they have currently. You know, I knew that they were going to, you know, the ownership comes out wearing a Miles Garrett, you know, hat. So you knew that the crowd and the crowd, you know, with the with the, the, wild, the pinata. Pinata. wild pinata and helmet smash. I mean, Yo. so you knew the fans were going to be into it. You knew the team was going to be into it. And, you know, let's face it, the Dolphins are, you know, bad. Bad. So I let's mean, go. I'll take Bra- the win. Browns are up 28-3 to at halftime. This was a game that they needed to to really bounce back from. And the Browns obviously coming off that awful Steeler matchup, which, by the way, that's coming up this week, the uh-huh. rebound match. So that's going to be must-watch TV. Especially after Mason Ruoff got benched, a lot of Cleveland's guys said that they hoped that he played again. So Yeah. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, that might be the game of next week. But, <laughs> but for this past week, though, the Browns had a statement win. To show everybody who these are the Browns who we thought we were going to see all season. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Browns currently in the playoffs situation we're at with the uh, AFC. They're in the tenth uh, spot in the AFC, and uh, the teams ahead of them are all six and five. So you know they need a couple losses and they get a win this week, and all of a sudden they're sitting at at least the sixth playoff spot. Yeah, because Pittsburgh is in. If the season ends today, Pittsburgh is in the playoffs with Buffalo as mm-hmm. the wild cards. 
to see Cleveland really make a run, and obviously Baker putting up some numbers and obviously looking like the quarterback we thought he was, is a really good sign if you're a Browns fan hoping on the idea you can run the table. Is it going to happen? Maybe. Arguably. Maybe. I mean, they've got Pittsburgh, two games against Cincinnati, uh, Arizona, and Baltimore to close out the year. It's it's an arguable topic. I personally don't see it, but they have enough talent that maybe now they get it all together. But I think it comes down to coaching, and I still have no faith in Freddie Kitchens. No. I I think that... You took advantage of a very bad Dolphins team, and you did what you should have done. I mean, this is like taking a major league baseball team who is, you know, maybe middle of the f- middle of the pack in terms of batting and putting them up against like little leaguers and going, "Yeah, here, let's see if you can hit the ball." Of course, they will. Right. So this is to be expected. The Browns should have won this game, and they did, and one handedly. And going forward, they need to have a really big win against Pittsburgh this coming week. If they don't. Their playoffs are done. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Any team that has six or more losses, good luck trying to get in. I'll say the Dolphins didn't even crack 25 minutes in time of possession for this game. No, they're just going through the motions. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. They're still on the tank for two bandwagon. Well, they're tanking tank for, for someone. Or yeah, they're tanking for Burrows. Yeah, whatever the case is, I mean, Fitzpatrick, you know, is not the guy. So they're going to be going quarterback in the draft next we'll say, season. So you're saying that Fitzmagic has run out? No, Fitzmagic definitely has. I mean, it, it is what it is. You know that he is a journeyman quarterback, that he'll come in, but is he a franchise guy? No. Not at this stage. No, and I think not at that, that age. That's a very honest statement. He's not. The only thing that Miami has a bright spot with is their tight end, Golesky there. Yeah. He is a sleeper on any fantasy team you want to take him on. He gets yards and he gets open. I mean, I know Fitzpatrick only got the ball to him three times. One of which was a touchdown. Yeah, and he is the he is Fitzpatrick's go-to guy. I mean, Alan Hearn had a great game, sure, and Devontae Parker. Yeah, he showed up for once. I mean, he's been known to disappear in games. This is this team that Miami. If you're looking on paper, you have work to do. You know this. You're probably going to go through a coaching change at the end of the season, arguably. Yeah, arguably. Yeah, and, it, and it's 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 a shame, but it is how it is. Two wins. It's it's one of those things that like okay you got a new head coach come in and if they have a losing season all right you give them a little bit of slack maybe it's a bad year bad start give them to next year see how things go but asterisk that's assuming they don't go like two and nine yeah because usually when you win two games in your first season it's not a good look like I no I, like I, I I think the coach from Cincinnati he's as good as gone unless a miracle happens and the Dolphins head coach I think might be right behind him I mean mm-hmm. it, it is. It is what it is. It's just how it it goes in pro sports. And you have to really kind of see, okay, is this going to be your future going forward? I mean, Brian Flores definitely had a tough roster to work with, and yeah. I, I think he doesn't deserve to get fired per se. But obviously he'll be on the hot seat if he keeps his job, though. I'm sorry, it's like he was trying to make chicken salad with nothing but mayonnaise, yeah, and exactly. they didn't get many of the other uh, ingredients. Yeah, I mean, he was put in a tough position where, see, I don't think he'll be out after this year, even though the, the, the abysmal performance, because I think ownership knows and kind of expected this going into the year that it was going to be this year, uh, or going to be this way this year. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't just trade for Josh Rosen and bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick and lead and trade away you know your best offensive lineman then give away your best defensive player and think that you know it's just going to be a good year yeah so i think he'll get one more run of it i think if he has a bad performance next year you know then yeah he's toast and uh you know my biggest takeaway from this though is here's cleveland again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on a run you know where 
it was looking kind of doom and gloom. You know, they were going to be, you know, oh my God, you know, Freddie Kitchens is over his head. This team is got so much talent. They can't win games. And now here we are sitting there with them at five and six, mm-hmm. you know, with uh, a slate ahead of them that arguably, you know, they could potentially find their way in the wild card or at least come week 17 playing for the wild card. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely not out of the realm of thought. It's just what team are we going to see moving forward? Mm-hmm. That is the ultimate question here with Cleveland because they have so much talent. This is why everybody favored them that they were going to be the ones running away with the division. Yeah, I mean, we were sitting here looking at them going, yeah, no, they're going to run away with it. And they should have, but obviously first-year head coaching mistakes have come back to haunt them. Uh, yeah. Dare I say sketchy at best uh, consistency. From the offense, I wouldn't even say sketchy at best. It's it's just bad at times. Yeah, and it's to be expected with a second year quarterback. Yeah, because the one thing about the NFL, and we've talked about this on other shows, they study rookie quarterbacks. Uh huh. The ones that are going to make it in the league are the ones that are going to adapt to change. And it's not just football; it's any sport, right? But football, especially because of how the season is, and just how much work is put yeah. into really focusing on stopping one player because if you stop a quarterback you stop an entire offense yeah that is the easiest thing to do in the world but it's the hardest as well and i know that sounds very confusing but if you think about it you focus all your energy on one player you're making that one player have to beat you can you beat your 11 guys beat that one player that's what you have to think with baker is showing flashes of brilliance not enough to really say consistency, but he's still grinding out there. That's the one takeaway you have to get. Mm-hmm. He's not sitting there complaining well, and not really throwing anybody. He's always going to be a competitor. I mean, there was that stretch where it looked like he was kind of checked out mm-hmm. or what exactly we were going to get from him, but he, you know, he came right back in, dialed in. Yeah. So that being said, the Browns have got some upside, and they are going to have to put some work in. I mean, Pad read through the schedule. Yeah. They're going to have to run the table if they want to get in. It's not to say it's unheard of by any stretch. No. But they have to put some work in. And Miami, the only thing they got to do is put some work in on the draft board because that's uh-huh. what they're going to be focusing on. Yeah. Another team that's going to be joining them in that mess is those J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 2-0 this week and feeling good. My statistic of West Coast teams traveling east paid off here as the Oakland Raiders, for whatever god-awful reason, were favored to come into the Meadowlands and play the Jets at home. And look what happened. They played like Donkey do. Uh, for those of you keeping track at home, uh, coach is now one and one in his uh, in his record of West Coast teams coming east. But the statistic, uh, not the statistics, are in the numbers are there on my side. That's why you go with the analytics, and the analytics say West Coast teams traveling east play like donkey doo doo. Tell them the numbers, Pad, just to prove my point. Uh, so the final score of the game, New York Jets 34, Oakland Raiders 3. What? Derek Carr, 15 of 27 for 127 yards. Ran out of the building, folks. Uh, no touchdowns, one interception. On the flip side, Sam Darnold, 20 of 29 for 315 yards. Two touchdowns, no interceptions. Who came in for relief of that terrible Derek Carr performance? Mike Glennon, ladies, ah, and, gentlemen. ladies and gentlemen. Mike Glennon showing. That's how bad it was in Oakland that uh-huh. you had to put Mike Glennon in. And I'm a, I am love Dave, Derek Carr. I love his brother, David Carr. I'm a big Carr family guy. But, my God, was he playing terrible. Oh, so, in case you uh, forget, uh, Mike Glennon, uh, 2013 third-round pick from NC State. Jets yes. are the hottest team in football. Boom. 
the Jets are showing hot. Are showing some. They're looking good. I mean, you, they were what, one point one and seven. Gave the Miami Dolphins their first win of the season. Just oh, you know, talking to Jets fans that we know. Oh God, we're awful. How are we this bad? And then you sit here and they've rattled off three wins in a row. I mean, you're supposed to beat bad teams like this, and that's exactly what they're doing. And the Jets are really showing that Sam Darnold in that lineup might be the answer to what they needed. I mean, you take yeah. away the mono games. Yeah. Where do they rank? That's that's, that's gonna, the frustrating thing. If I'm a Jets fan, I'm yeah, ripping my hair out. Yeah, right now. yeah. the mono games are going to come back to haunt. I mean, them. if you if you remove because you know, okay, if Darn Darnold wasn't sick during those games, they win loss. Who knows? But if you take those you know mono games out, okay, that's minus three losses. They're sitting here at, at four and four. Yeah. Can we also talk about the fact that Robbie Anderson just had to have himself a day? Yeah. You know, Darnold, I know that you're there and you're listening, or this will get to you somehow, some way. We do We do have a couple people in the Jets organization that do listen to the podcast. You, so thank you for your had gone to Crowder the last two weeks, so I was riding Crowder. 14 points, 15 points, perfect performance is exactly what I needed from him. But then all of a sudden, you're like, no, 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 you've had enough. Now I'm going to feed Robbie Anderson the ball. And he single-handedly spanked me in fantasy football. And I know you care. And I accept your apology. Darnold definitely was making some moves, especially his running touchdown, which I will say, why was he borrowing a page out of the Josh Allen playbook and running headfirst into the lineman? I mean, listen. I'm just saying. I I score. I I understand you got to score, but you you had some yards. You did not need to go headfirst. I mean, maybe he was inspired by the Texas Longhorns head coach headbutting his player who had a helmet on before the game on Saturday. Maybe you've seen more ghosts. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, this is was wild to me, but you have to give credit where credit is due. Darnold has played very well under this current win stretch, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they took advantage of a Oakland team that should be playing in the NFC South because who are they? What are they? they? We don't know. We've, I do know what they were was a West Coast team traveling east. Yes. Yeah. If I and haven't they, hammered that point home. And they were in that last playoff spot, which now since they've Ooh. lost goes to Pittsburgh uh-huh. currently. So the intrigue builds up of what John Gruden is doing out there. That yeah. that AFC I mean, just give the AFC playoff pre like synopsis right now because that is tough. Yeah. I'll say so. Yeah, looking at the AFC playoff scenarios as we sit here recording, New England is currently the number one uh, seed. Boo. Baltimore is the second seed. Okay. Houston is the third seed. Kansas City is the fourth seed. Buffalo is the fifth seed. Yeah, baby. Yo. Pittsburgh is the sixth seed. And then you've got uh, Oakland as seven, Indy as eight, and Tennessee as nine, and Cleveland as ten. Those top four, though. Yeah. All have only two to three losses, right? Uh, no. Houston. Uh, Houston, Houston and, has four? And so does Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, even still, though, those two of those losses could have easily been wins for both of those teams. Mm-hmm. And one of those losses were to each other. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, take that away. Really, three losses. I mean, that is a tough, tough, tough run. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Patri- I mean, as well as the Patriots have played, Pad, this is not going to be an easy run no. to the Super Bowl oh, like no. it had oh, been before. No. Oh, hell no. I mean, especially if they got to run up against Baltimore in any round in those playoffs. I mean, they realistically could have to face Kansas City in the divisional round. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I mean, that's, a re- that's very realistic. It's, the, a, it's, a t- it's a tough road to the playoffs because let's just say things stay the way they are. Patriots, first round by home field advantage. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the second round of the playoffs and you got to face, let's just say, Patrick Mahomes. Right. And then you get into the you know the championship round and, oh, hey, you got to face Lamar Jackson. Like, oof. Yeah. It's that's a, tough. It, it's a pick your poison. Yeah. And honestly, every team that's in the AFC playoff picture, I'm going to exclude Buffalo. I, I, I will be the honest fan here. 
the top. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. The top four. Well, I could go full homer if you want. <laughs> go ahead. Let's enjoy. Listen. Do it. You should be happy. Buffalo's I sniffing am. the playoffs for the first time since you were like, what, in diapers? I mean, come on. Enjoy yourself. No. I'm, well, I'm going to be honest about this. The top four teams in the AFC, arguably, are the creme de la creme of the NFL. Arguably. Yeah. I mean, there are some spots in the NFC, San Francisco, Green Bay uh, until last night. Yeah. Done. But you have to take a look at at that top team. For anybody to go and come out of that division as the AFC champion, you have to think as a Super Bowl favorite. Every team in there has got a dynamic offense and their defense. Even Kansas City is playing good defense. Yeah, they are. Which is almost unheard of. But when you have Patrick Mahomes who was out and they didn't falter – and they kept the ship riding. No, and, right? and we, everyone figured they would. Yeah, and they everybody thought they'd just completely belly up and get out of the playoffs. They're going to be tough to beat. Even the wild cards, which, yeah, are, if you want me to give my homer pick, the Bills are hanging in there with a tough defense. Their offense, though, Josh Allen needs to play more consistent. It was a great win against Denver. Don't get me wrong. I'll take that all day. I, as a team, would not want to play, especially if I'm a cold, snowy City mm. would not want to play. So, like Kansas City, uh-huh. I would not want to play Buffalo in the first round. No. If I'm them. Because if it's snowy, that is just going to absolutely favor the Bills. Well, yep. and especially the last couple of years, the way the weather has worked here in the in North America, Kansas City about that time of year is always in the middle of a polar vortex. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if that's the case. Well, it's 30 below zero. That's a very easily winnable game for Buffalo because that will, I mean, that kind of weather favors them, if you ask me. It favors them, sure. But the overall X factor is going to be Josh Allen's play. Sure. Yeah. Because their defense is going to show up, but they have to get more focused on what they're going to try stopping, the run or the pass, because past couple weeks they've looked shaky at points. And if Well, let's touch on this. Frank Gore. Yeah. Th- passing Barry Sanders? Yeah. The journeyman. The, the tip, tip of the cap to you, young man, because I remember when a certain somebody shattered his leg on national television and we got every single angle of that. Uh-huh. And now going, I mean, here he is now third in rushing. Yeah, which you have to factor 15 years in the NFL to still run at an elite level. Yeah. To still be playing at a high high pace. Yeah. I mean, Tremendous. it's truly remarkable. Truly remarkable. Because I know well, I was hearing some people on Twitter complaining, well, he's been in the league for 15 years. Do you understand how hard it is to be a running back in the NFL? For, a running back at the age of 36. Yeah, over yeah. over 10 years in the NFL. Especially when, I mean, because those young years, he was getting carries. Yeah, he was getting... I mean, even in Miami last year, he was getting 20 touches a game. Yeah. Every, and he's been on a lot of bad teams. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, he went through the worst years of the 49ers. Oh, and even God. Even their last, what, Super Bowl run they had yeah. when uh, they faced Baltimore. To see how he's done, and he's been such a good influence on Singletary and everybody else in that offense, it, it goes without saying. He's like that seasoned point guard that you, yeah. uh, that like a, a NBA team brings in. Mm-hmm. He might not get any minutes, even though he is you know a, a contributor to this team, but mm-hmm. he might not get any minutes. But what he does in the locker room speaks volumes for everybody else. Yeah. It's like when the Yankees brought in Carlos Beltran a couple of years yes. ago where, you know, okay, you're not expecting, you know, 40, 50 home runs and 150 RBIs out of the guy. You're not bringing him in for his bat. You're bringing him in for his veteran presence and know-how. Right, and how to set up a camera and TVs in the back. Oh, that too. Yeah, hey, like, whoa. Like, like where you're going with that. We haven't Thank forgotten you. anything as the Yankees fans. But getting back to the point, though, 
with Buffalo, they got a bright future. They just got to focus on a couple things, and it's going to come down to Josh Allen. For that last playoff spot, though, Pittsburgh is in it right now. Pittsburgh's in it, and if you go to the ESPN.com website and the play- NFL playoff standings, the reason that they have the sixth uh, spot in the playoff, I won't read it. It's like a paragraph long. Here, let me help you eliminate the teams that aren't involved. Uh, Miami. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati. Cause, uh, Cincinnati, because everybody like, else is right there. Cincinnati still 0-11. Like, I mean, even though the Jets are, you know, with a poor record right now, like, you can't even eliminate them because, I mean, they could very realistically just end the season at 7-9 and themselves uh, and mess around and get in there. I know they got a tough – they got to play New England again. No, they don't. Oh, uh, they don't. No, they've got Cincinnati next week, Miami, the, Miami the week after. There we go. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, All right. Buffalo. So two at, and two. They're looking at they're looking at seven and nine. That's what I'm seven, saying. No, it's seven and nine, six and ten. But is that gonna All be right. enough to get them in the playoffs? That's that's, that's the, argument. the thing. Well, yeah. the six seed might be tough, but I mean, I listen. Pittsburgh right now, their quarterback situation is who is Pittsburgh? Ugh. Yeah, that, that situation is just gonna get messy. And if James Conner can't come back, because let me tell you, Jalen Samuels, <laughs> you bum. Like I mean, if J- if they don't have James Conner, they and Juju Smith-Schuster was out. Yeah. They yeah. also were missing their other wide receiver the, yeah. on the other side of him. I mean, so if they if those guys don't come back and don't come back healthy, there's no way Pittsburgh is going to stay in that six seed. No. no way. No, it's definitely not happening. And that's going to be the ultimate battle for the AFC moving forward between the teams that are in there: Oakland, Indianapolis, who will grind out a game. Oh with yeah. It. Well, when you got the greatest offensive lineman of all time, dare I say the greatest. Football player of all time, Quentin Nelson. I said it. <laughs> and it's up for debate. He does yeah. have the best. <laughs> yeah. he, does, he does have the best touchdown celebration of all time. Not only that, but he also has the best blindside blocks you'll ever see in your life. This is true. Yes, he he has nin- ninja like speed. Aware his awareness on Madden better be one on one. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. You have to see the video of him just moving. Like I said, it's like a ninja. He just all of a sudden you blink and he's on the other he's side. He's on of the, field. the other side, and the guy was right there in Jacoby Brissett's pocket, and he still blocked him. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's next. But Pat, I, I, I can I'll tell you, I'm rooting for Buffalo. Okay. You know, uh, let's go. Let's go Buffalo. Is that what they say there? Yes, they do. You circle those wagons. They say that while simultaneously putting you through a table. Sure. Put me through one. Uh, Sign me up. On fire sometimes. Yes. I'm not joining the bandwagon, you know, because, I mean, icky, you know, Giants fan, true New York, you know, (laughs) but, hey, you know what? You make the playoffs good for you. I'm going to say, hey, but listen, how about them Cowboys? Uh, Well, listen, I had to get into a screaming match as they're playing New England with my family, and my wife comes in the room and goes, oh, God, I'm rooting for the Cowboys. And I go, what? Why? (laughs) I, I hate New England. And, again, I have to point this out. New England has nothing to do with the Giants. No. The Giants have nothing to do with New England. The only reason why I hate New England now is to find out that we could have had Bill Belichick and he's just yeah. going to retire as a Patriot. My disdain will and always be for the Cowboys. I will never cheer for them. Ever. Not even if it was between the Giants making the playoffs and not with the Cowboys win. I still would not cheer for the Cowboys because it is not in my blood. But I'll cheer for the Patriots. Sure. Well, Just I mean, not when they play Buffalo. I mean, shout out, Thank you. Shout out uh, Stephon Gilmore uh, holding Amari Cooper to zero catches. Yeah. There you go. Killing my fantasy team on that one. Two hey, targets. I hear you. Gilly Gilly. It was a rough, rough weekend for me. It was a rough weekend for <laughs> fantasy football. It was a rough weekend for football in, in general in certain cases. But for uh, the Buffalo Bills, it was a great weekend. For the New York Jets, it was a great weekend. And then the Giants. And then the Bringing Giants. Bringing up the freaking rear. Yeah, which, no, that's the Bengals. 
No, well, I'm saying New York teams. Uh, and, the, 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 uh, and the scary thing too, to just tie this back into the uh, wild card to close out the segment. Cincinnati should have beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Pitts, Pittsburgh pulled Mason Rudolph and put in the undrafted quarterback there. Quack. And they should have been able to run with it. But what I didn't understand, I was in, actually with a Bengals fan watching the game. And, and they, they said, have those? Uh, yeah, I actually I actually know a couple. Oh. Legitimately. Yeah. Okay. In, 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 All right, cool. In upstate New York. Outside of Cincinnati, that's yes. impressive. Oh, yeah. They've had a tough life. Yeah. And to see, the question was, okay, so they put Hodges in for Rudolph. Quack. Why did not, or why didn't uh, Dalton come in for Finley? That is the question that you had to ask. I mean, Finley's the future. No, actually, Dalton wasn't active. I just saw that he got active okay. to back to the active roster. Okay, so this weekend. But I was wondering, like, why didn't you pull that quarterback? Because he wasn't getting nothing done. I'm sorry. If that's, if that's your future, <laughs> to your assessment, maybe not to the Cincinnati Bengal fan assessment. <laughs> no, he was agreeing with me. He was, oh. he was saying the same thing. It was just like, why are we? Listen, when Finley's him? leading this team to the Super Bowl next year, while two is riding the pine pony. Okay. <laughs> the, only, the only way he's leading him to the game is if he takes him to the airport driving the team bus. <laughs> They're not Somebody's got to do it. They're not going to get there. But for that last wild card spot, Cincinnati's out. Oakland has got some work to do if they want to get back in the race. Pittsburgh has to maintain the crown, but if the Jets go on a win streak, is it out of the realm of thought? If Cleveland goes on a win streak, is it out of the realm of thought they sneak in for that? So many possibilities. Spot? There's so, so many, many possibilities. possibilities. You'll have to hit us up on uh, Twitter and let us know at OD Parlay Hour or at Coach Duffy 11 because he definitely Bring wants it. to get that smoke. I'll talk Giants football with he, you. He wants to talk Giants football with everybody. So definitely hit us up on the social media accounts. What was your assessment of Week 12 in the NFL? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you could think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't. Cussing the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, ah, 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 that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> you. <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, PJ. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo!
Time to run the ropes here on the ODPH. It is our wrestling recap segment, and there was so much going on with the WWE this past weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, was it their strongest weekend of the year? Uh, By God. Yeah. It yeah. was pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty good. Yeah. You have to give the credit. I'd that even say maybe their strongest week. Not just weekend, but week. It's debatable. That's one question I was kind of going back and forth with people on Twitter about. It was a memorable week, to say the least. Yeah. This was the buildup to the Survivor Series pay-per-view, which finally included all three brands, yeah. Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. NXT has just come on to cable TV. It's on the USA Network on Wednesday, going head-to-head with AEW. So the rest of the public is catching up with what those of us who've been watching for NXT for a while already know. Right. So this has been a buildup of buildups. You've now been getting familiar with some of the great talent to have on those NXT rosters. And also some familiar faces returning to the full sales uh, auditorium or wherever they define the studio where they record. <laughs> I don't think it's ever been fully defined other than they just say it's full sale. So. Yeah. That being said, we are going to recap the weekend starting with War Games, War the games. NXT preview, uh, or their TakeOver pay-per-view, which is always, always, always the best pay-per-view event of the month. And dare I say, this one did not let us down. Pat, no. you wanted to give, go through the matches here? Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. So to open up the card, they had Angel Garza defeat Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, then you had, that was on the pre-show, and then uh, to open up, if I believe to open up the uh, main show, you had the women's war game match yep. w- with uh, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Rhea Ripley, and Tegan Knox defeating Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, and Shayna Baszler. Coach, your thoughts on this match? Uh, I thought this match was was good. I actually, it. I mean, I think it, what was made this match great was it didn't like try to mimic the 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 men so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, how like I was expecting like maybe the you know the chain the uh, the he, the faces door to be locked up by the heels and the key thrown. Like I was expecting some tomfoolery like that, mm-hmm. and none of that happened. I thought that was tremendous. Yeah, and um. You know the heel turn was Whoa. spot on and f- was great. Vicious. Brilliant. Great. Vicious. I mean it it felt passionate, you know, her not being able to be pulled back by William Regal. Yeah. Uh you know the whole thing. I thought it made great it made it look great. Um and then the match overall was fantastic. It it was just a really it was they they the women did such a good job of making the match like I said different from what the men do that I thought it was literally as perfect that it probably could have been booked. No, yeah, it was definitely a good match. Like I said, it was the first women's war game match that NXT has had, and it was a great first match for the women. It, you know, like Coach said, they could have gone with some of the same spots that the men have done or even borrowed some of the ideas or some of the stuff that the men have done in the past and gone, oh, hey, you know what, that'd be really fun to do. Why don't we do that? But no, they took it and made it their own. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Dog and I were over at the uh, hashtag 607 podcast uh, fellow brother in Three Fat Nerds studio watching with them. And actually, Mike C. from Horror Zone 607 was actually in attendance. And all of us were marking out when Dakota Kai did the big heel turn because her character has never been known for that. Turning no, out the, best the happy-go-lucky, friend. smiling, you know, high-fiving, hugging. Yeah, the day of the Bailey happy-go-lucky character, I think, is done well, right that, now. But the thing with Dakota Kai is if you watch NXT Weekly, when she didn't get picked to, to initially to join 
you know, Rhea Ripley's team, uh, you're sitting there going, even I was sitting there going, all right, she's turning heel at some point here. Yeah, it, you figured something was going to happen, and sure enough, how she played it off was brilliant. Oh, it Taking was great. out Tegan Knox so she couldn't appear in the match. I'll say one would almost say it's almost Seth Rollins-like and like just, you know, unexpected, oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. And we were all saying the same thing when we were watching live, like all three podcasts. And like I said, even the one and only dog was blown away by how well this match was done. And Rhea Ripley, if you weren't familiar with her. Oh, she looked like a million bucks this yeah. weekend. I'll say, I know, I know everyone's kind of been talking about and, and saying, oh, how good a couple weeks Adam Cole has had. And, and deservedly so. He's had a great couple weeks. Uh, I would say Rhea Ripley's making out like a zillion dollars. Oh, I mean, they made her look like. A star. She's yeah. go, she's gone. You think about it. She's gone from somebody that you know. If if you watch NXT regularly and even a little bit of NXT UK, you know who she is, and you're like, oh, awesome, Rhea Ripley's here. She's gone from that to everybody knows her now. Yeah, she definitely stood out in Io Shirai. Yeah, oh. uh, tremendous. But I mean, you you know that you know like Rhea Ripley. I thought was. You know, because she's on the UK thing and NXT, like, you don't get to really see her. I mean, from her Friday, Saturday, and Sunday run, mm-hmm. I mean, she had a hell of a weekend. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, talk about the fact that you beat Charlotte Flair. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Huge. I mean, that's insane. And it's like the stock is up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just you don't do that, you know, especially as somebody who's NXT. So, I mean, and I know I'm going ahead of myself here, but I really thought that their main goal this weekend was to make NXT look like a main card player. I agree. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that was my biggest takeaway from this, and, and they did it in yeah. spades. They they did it in spades. It, it was phenomenal, the job they did with this. And, I mean, that was the kickoff to the weekend, really, if you want to break it down. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. we had Friday Night SmackDown yeah. and the absolute egregious cutting off of Keith Lee versus Braun Strowman, which we'll get into later. <laughs> but they kicked off the show proper with this. The women's war game match was phenomenal. Yep. I'll, I'll say arguably the best match of the night. Next matchup was... It was the uh, triple threat match between Damian Priest, Killian Dane, and Pete Dunn for number one contendership for the NXT Championship uh, belt, which you would then face Adam Cole the following night on the Survivor Series card. And Pete Dunn ended up defeating uh, both Damian Priest and Killian Dane. Really good match. Really good yeah. match. Really good match. Yeah. Uh, bel- f- close. Uh, you know, the pins, the near falls were, you know, edge of your seat. You know, oh, my God, you know, moments. Um, you know, I, w- I wasn't really... I was excited about for the matchup. I mean, I'm I wasn't really sold on Damian Priest going in, yeah. Just because I'm, I don't know. I don't. I, for me, like just the big guy, just being the big guy for the sake of being the big guy. I've never really enjoyed. Like I've never been huge on the Undertaker, or Kane, or any of the quote unquote monsters. Just because I mean, I'm only five nine, so like I always right, like those right, guys more. Right. But I mean, he really impressed me this weekend, especially this match with Dunn. Their yeah. ability to work together and Killian Dane. You know, that's a tough dynamic because obviously somebody's got a bump and you know it's going to be the little guy. Yeah, no, yeah. Damien Damien Priest definitely I warmed up to him a little bit just because when he first started showing up, I couldn't connect with the character because okay, he's a big tall guy, great, and he's like the bachelor million dollar millionaire. Oh, look at him showing up in a limousine with women and all this right. stuff. I'm like, all right, we've, we've seen, seen that. Yeah. yeah. But no, I'm warming up to him a little bit. I'm not sold over the moon about the guy, but he, he's good. See, I've been a fan of his since he was Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor. Yeah, I think that, and that's where when he was Punishment I did not enjoy him because they booked him so strong that it was the overbooking. Yep. You know, and I just, that turned me off. And then when he came to WWE, I was like, they're just going to book him the same way. They're not going to change anything because he's a monster. Right. But they did. But yeah, they changed him and where his character is now completely different. Right. And that's the other thing too that I noticed that he's not the same guy that he was in ROH, which 
was smart by WWE. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I thought he he looked good in in the loss here, and I thought Killian Dane did too because especially breaking away from Sanity. Yeah, not to say he's been lost in the in the shuffle, but it's tough to find your footing when you break away from a group. You yeah, know? And, and, but, and especially with all the like you said the shuffle and then just kind of the craziness with taking NXT from the pre taped you know show to the we're going live for two hours. Mm-hmm. But I definitely thought they had a great match. I think everybody really kind of stood out. Not not the best match of the card, but a great match. No, it was the the right winner for tomorrow. The the next show. Yeah, it made was sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it just made sense. Absolutely made sense. Yep. The, the next matchup though was a lot of intrigue with this one. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Finn Balor defeating Matt Riddle. Yes, which obviously Finn Balor making his reemergence to NXT after being gone from WWE after the whole Bray Wyatt thing. For like uh, two months or so? Two months or so, but Something he's doing like the heel gimmick, which we've all marked out about. They're using the moniker Prince a lot. Yes. I didn't love it. I, it just the I, match. The match was what it needed to be. It yeah, was, was kind of like an in between. All right, let's let everybody calm down here a little bit. Right. I just I don't. Yeah, maybe it was that p- the position on the card that it got booked, but that it was. I mean, the crowd still seemed hot for it. Yeah. So it, oh, it's yeah. not like it oh, wasn't. Yeah. It just I I don't know if I I didn't really like the two of them their chemistry in the ring. I agree. I, it kind of felt choppy, you know, because like you know Riddle has this slow down drag him down style and then Finn obviously explosive high octane. high octane dynamic you know wants to be you know keeping the pace up so in MMA that's a great clashing of yeah, styles yeah that, that's what I was going to touch upon that in WWE in wrestling that just that style doesn't really work because you know you you want to see the excitement and you're not in it for the story of the guy, uh-huh. the slow guy versus the fast guy. Yeah, you know, so like that. So th- while it was, it was still a decent match, and, and I was excited to see this matchup. It just didn't. I wasn't full, you know, gung ho on it. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I enjoyed the match. I'm a Finn Balor guy. I like, I like Finn. Same, you know. But just from the thing with the match for me is like, okay, the, just the whole setup for the match was kind of confusing. Like, okay, you showed up and all of a sudden you just hate Matt Riddle. Okay. Yeah, I just I feel like that was probably supposed to be Gargano. I you, you know, know it was supposed to be Gargano, but Gargano was still hurt. Yeah, but right. it must have been a legitimate because yeah, you know, it, it felt very like, uh, you know. Um, I'm thinking heavyweights, uh, the uh, grown grown ups movie where you know you know it's supposed to be Chris Farley, mm-hmm. and it's just you know it's not him, you right, know. So like right. you could tell that there's a void in the in the movie, you know. So that, and that's what Riddle was. It was just taking up a void. I I and I would have liked to seen Finn be a little more heelish. Yeah. Well, I think that this still with the face entrance, right? Still with the shining of the lights and the whole thing. I would have liked to have seen more. Not demonic, but I'm saying like more heel fin, maybe less catering to the crowd because the crowd was still into the the dun well, dun dun. I, I, part, I mean, you I know, mean, to be fair though, the w if any if there's any critique WWE has when it comes to changing a person's intro when they go from face to heel or vice versa, they take a hot minute. I mean, it's only within the last two weeks or so that Sasha Banks, after being a heel for what like a month and a half now, has finally has new music. Bailey, at least this is because I don't get to watch SmackDown all the time. Bailey, to my knowledge is finally got a heel entrance i mean but it doesn't need to be a new song just not play the you know the raising of the hands and the going to the corner and doing the whole thing be be just subtle about how how heelish would have been had when the big dun 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 part come out and he just no sold it i think it's for him is and i think for the writing staff too is seeing how the fans were going to react and obviously with how this match was thrown together that they weren't going to unveil everything because, right. because I yeah. think that, I think that it was geared toward 
more so when he fights Gargano. I think that's when you see the new entrance and the new real Yeah, see, I think that this one was just, okay, go out there, make it a mix, because with the Chicago crowd, you knew they were going to be a hot crowd. Oh, yeah. And right. you knew that no matter what, yeah, they were going to mark be over. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, so, it's like, so like why burn it on a crowd? Like, you know, waste it on some other crowd that is not going to get it as much. When, that's fair. Because when you have the smart fans, they jump on it, and no matter what you do, they're going to cheer you. It's a waste of it. So, But this one did what they needed to do. It put Valor over, which I don't think this hurt uh, Riddle at all. But I do think, though, the one thing that I thought was hysterical Riddle whips out the jackhammer. Oh, my God. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. That was hysterical. Yeah. I, and I mean, the as spear. Much as, he, as much as he wants that match with Goldberg. Oh, my God. Yeah, the trolling. Amazing. And to round out the card, because the one thing, if you're not familiar with NXT TakeOvers, they usually only have four matches on there because they give the wrestlers right. time Short, to wrestle. Short, sweet, and to the point. Right. So we had what to close the show, Pat? You had the male War Games match where it was uh, the Undisputed Era. Of course, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong against Team Tommaso Ciampa, which was Dominic Dijakovic, Keith Lee, Tommaso Ciampa, and up to that point, an unknown fourth entrant. Right. Who turned out to be Kevin Owens. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Old school Kevin Owens. Which I did tweet this out. I said the PWG fan of me marked out (laughs) like nobody's freaking business. And I I like what they did with his entrance. It was the old school shirt with the tape of KO. It was the old Titan Tron. And the NXT background, too, on the the back of his shirt. The huffing and puffing, like, you know, heavy breathing and yelling. And old school Kevin Owens was back. Oh, it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Because, One could say it was glorious. Because with how they had to rewrite the show with Gargano being out, there was the whole mystery fourth member of the team. Who was it going to be? We don't know. It was uh, a gonna, lot. A lot of speculation was that it was going to be John Morrison. Yeah, which right. Uh, yeah, going to the show, which, we had talked about that. Yeah, which we were all having a good debate about too over at Three uh, FN Studios. Is if it was John Morrison, would the crowd have popped as much? Probably not. Mm, no, as much as they did for Owens, no. They would have popped, but not as much as they did. I don't yeah. even know who else. Like, yeah, all right, Morrison would have made sense, but, like, you know, he's not, like, it needed to be an NXT guy. You know, yeah. like, it needed to be somebody who had, and it needed to be somebody who had history with the four of them right. to really make that entrance mean anything. Because, yeah, it could have been Morrison, and he could have came out and, you know, been a hell of a hand mm-hmm. in that match. Because, I mean, my God, him athleticism with you know strong and uh you know red dragon i mean that would have been tremendous but you know the fact that it was kevin owens and the history that he has with adam cole perfect yeah and and that's going to be a moment that wrestling fans look back on and like you know when you think of some of your favorite moments in wrestling over time for a lot of people that's going to be a moment that they remember very fondly yeah absolutely it was a great moment it was a good throwback to the nxt because especially when you have all the talent that goes to the quote-unquote main roster right Mm -hmm. to see them come back and just jump in especially if you knew the independent history between roddy and adam cole and kevin owens and red dragon it just made sense right i so the other thing that this match did for me was uh jack dijakovic you can say dijak we'll just call it sir sure all right uh i wasn't huge on him when he was in roh i wasn't huge on him when he left I walked out of NXT TakeOver a fan. Yeah. No, I mean, not like, uh, you know, over-the-top guy, but, you know, when his match isn't on, I'm not going to cringe anymore like I was before. I definitely, I mean, they booked him well, Mm -hmm. looked wicked strong, was impressive, took bumps too, was athletic. I don't think that they could have used him any better. No, he definitely has really stood out now. 
I mean, I was always a fan of his in ROH. And in fact, yeah, when, just, he, when he even came to Excite Wrestling on a one night only, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I just, surprised. I don't know. I, maybe I got a little Napoleon complex when it comes to big wrestlers because I just, <laughs> I got a thing. I don't, I don't like him. I don't like him. You could say that, but he really made the best of his, uh, his moments this week, especially the ladder match. He had oh, God. Cole. That, can we just, that shot that Cole hit him with the briefcase, mm-hmm. I Ow. screamed. I was watching it, you know, with my son, you know, who doesn't get, you know, he's three, he doesn't get the concept. But when he hit him with it, I go, oh, my God. Like, yeah. holy shit, he really hit him with that. Yeah, he really nailed him with that. And he sold it, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, he took that bump real good on that ladder, too. And, but. and we have to give credit where credit is due. Adam Cole deserves a standing ovation Yo, for this past uh-huh. weekend. Dude, but I the- was, so I was texting friend of the show, George Gatton, during the show. Mm-hmm. And I go, my God, does Adam Cole just draw the short end of the stick in every single one of these matches? Because he is always, always taking the shitty bumps. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just every night, man. Whenever there's these matches, it's like, hell, take the bump. What are we doing? You know, it's like, that's what it feels like it is at this point. You know, George's like, you know, he replies back and goes, you know, if you want to be the best, you got to take risk. But it's like. There's some risks, I guess. There was taking risks, and there was taking that kryptonite crunch off oh the top of the cage God. through two tables. I, I mean, first off, well, while we're clapping for him, Tommaso Ciampa, oh, absolutely, absolutely Welcome cradled back. his neck mm-hmm. perfectly on that landing. Yeah. I mean, if you watch it, he, you know, the whole time was, you know, definitely looking down, angling where they were going to land, and holding Adam Cole's neck, you know, in a perfect position. And something else that was very interesting that not a lot of people were talking about. A one Britt Baker made the camera. Well, well, it did get mentioned in the post show. Yes, you know, yeah, it got mentioned in the post show. That was not a deliberate showing. The per- according to Triple H, the person in the truck didn't know who she was and cut to him and cleared the air. <laughs> wink, wink, not not. You know, it's now in the day and age where you don't really. Yeah, know. that's what all. That's what George said to me too. He goes, "It's 2019," and I go, "Listen, I get it, but." Back in the day, that would not have flown. Yeah, that's why I say I I, I have my suspects about that. Come on, like, yeah, no, I, I no because I, I think that unfortunately you 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 don't show that shot when yeah. you don't know who it is. I mean, it's not even like she was sitting in a spot that would have been noticed. Mm-hmm. Like somebody noticed somebody her, found her. Somebody said something backstage, and they were known. They knew where she was, and that was also a direct shot at AEW. Oh, for sure. Yeah, which I'm like, why? Whatever. Why are we stupid to that? I'll level? take the pettiness. Hey, with how petty AEW is, oh, good for WWE playing at their same thing. And of ironically, of all the places to do it, it was NXT. Yeah, all for the petty. Give it to me. But it worked though. Champa won. I mean, Team Champa won. Obviously, finished a great night. Of great night. Great night. I mean, overall, the card was uh, was stellar. Great. Was great. I mean, it was what you expect from NXT. Yeah, I, I there isn't anything else I would have wanted to see on that show that wasn't on there. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really think of it. And then obviously, this was building into the hype for the next day, which was Survivor Series, mm-hmm. which is the big. Th- I didn't realize this was the second longest WWE pay per view. Yeah, but this is longer huh. than SummerSlam. Is it? Then it's wrong. Longer than the Rumble? No. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. They, they said on the show last night that it is the second longest running pay per view they have. Oh, yeah. meaning like history? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I knew that. I no, yeah. I I thought SummerSlam was longer. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like time wise. No, 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 no. I just saw for history wise because Survivor Series has always had a great tradition with the yeah. WWE. Yeah, it, it started because uh, Vince wanted something that was over Thanksgiving weekend. Right. And this, I mean... When families were together, it originally was supposed to air on Thanksgiving. Well, it used to. Yeah, yeah but then it, they, they changed it. 
Yeah, and this is one that I mean brings so many people together too because it had all three brands going. Yep. And I mean, if you want to even take a look at like everybody that was chiming in, I mean, we were talking with Lou from Pina Comics, Bill and Frankie Pop Culture was chiming in too. I mean, they ran a pre-show for this or uh, for War Games this weekend. There were so many podcasts that were jumping in about this too that everybody was marking out because of the excitement has been built up because all week you've seen wrestlers have the dream match scenarios get set up. Oh yeah. Like for me, I got mad, legitimately mad. Friday night when they cut off Keith Lee and Braun Strowman. <laughs> I was swearing. I'm not even joking about this, and I bear no shame in saying this. Like, when they were in the ring, I'm like, don't you dare cut this off. And then when we faded it black, I'm like, you. And I won't repeat the rest. But going into this match, we knew the stakes were high. Obviously, seeing Punk coming back, Chicago, a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Heard the name a few times. Yeah, a lot yeah. of excitement to kick in. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off about recapping the card here? Yep. So, on the pre-show, you had Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode win the tag team battle royal. I won't run through all the teams. It was a it was a number of tag teams from both Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Uh, just to name a couple of names, uh, Street Profits were there. Uh, the Revival was there. OC was there. Uh, Lucha House Party was there. Uh, but Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode came out on top. Uh, you had Leo Rush defeat or defend the NXT Cruiserweight Championship in a triple threat match against Akira Tozawa and Kalisto. You had Eric and Ivar defeat uh, Big E, Kofi, and Kofi Kingston, and then Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly in the triple threat three-way tag team match. What match? Great Solid match. match. Great Perfect match. opener. Yeah. Viking yeah. Warriors looked great. The, him and Big E... The spot, you know, the, the just the big men moving like that, always fun to see. And then obviously O'Reilly and Fish looked very strong because they were able to play that, you know, cut down the legs and cut down your size. Yep, yeah. it was. It had a very old school feel that was modern. Yeah, yeah. that I thought worked. And I was like, could, could Red Dragon not take a beating after going through War Games and take that spot they did to uh -huh. finish the match? Right. Yeah. I was like, my God, man. Like, yep. Make it stop. Yep. But then to open the card, you had the women's uh, Survivor Series match where you had Team NXT and Bianca Belair, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, and Tony Storm. And then you had uh, Team Raw where you had Asuka, Charlotte Flair, Kyrie Sane, Natalia, Sarah Logan. And then you had Team SmackDown with Carmella, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Nikki Cross, and Sasha Banks, where Team NXT came out on top. Well, Rhea Ripley came out on top. Yeah, Rhea yeah. Ripley. And the, and the whole, like, I, what I think I thought was kind of weird for the storytelling, and I, I mean, I understood it by the end of it, was, like, the mysterious stomach virus that apparently, like, Candice LeRae and Neo Shirai were on the ground, like, holding their ribs. Like, I mean, yeah. to be fair, they did the same thing with Roman in the Royal Rumble a few years back. Right. Which, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I know. I was complaining about the stomach virus. I call that the stomach virus because, like, mysteriously, they're on the ground, like, you know, like, holding their ribs. Yeah, like, I missed it, and I got a text saying, well, you know, yeah. where those two go. And right. Then... And, they, and I see, I thought something legitimately happened because right. whenever somebody gets, quote-unquote, injured in a wrestling ring lord knows there's a thousand angles of it and a thousand replays of it but in this instance they didn't show anything so i'm that's why i'm sitting here going wait is this legitimately injured like they're not showing it a thousand times yeah they just straight up disappeared yeah yeah so i mean it was a weird but you know it worked out in the favor that rhea ripley like we said was a star this weekend mm -hmm. absolutely put oh, over yeah. and had some great in-ring work and they've definitely showcased like why NXT UK, especially her and Tony Storm, are so heavily respected and, and the brand to really watch now, mm -hmm. too. So, great match overall. Yep, and then it was followed up by another good match uh, between Roderick Strong, AJ Styles, and Shinsuke Nakamura in a triple threat with the North American champion, the U.S. champion, and the Inter Intercontinental champion. With a new belt. With a new belt. 
Yeah, I didn't get that, but yeah, I yeah. I think that they're just trying to switch it up for whatever reason. But this match definitely was a good match. Didn't get out. Didn't get my spirit test like I wished. No, but man, Roddy was laying some chops in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If if Roddy can I, do no, nothing else, it is throw chops and throwing backbreakers because I think yeah. pretty much everybody got two to three of them. Yeah, yeah, easily. And it was a fun match. I mean, I like, I actually like this one better than AJ and Nakamura at WrestleMania. Oh, oh God, yes, yeah. But yes. I mean, that's not saying much that's because a, anything was going to be better than that. Yeah. That's a low bar. Yeah, it is a low bar, but at least it got to redeem itself a little bit yeah. in, my, in my eyes. Yeah. Because I sat there, I was just like, okay, this is good. And Roddy definitely took advantage of the moment, and which is a perfect heel move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was, how he steals the win. I mean, it was perfect. And what else can you really say about this match? It did what it needed to do, and. People really got to see what we all see with Roddy Strong each week. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the most underrated p- people on the NXT roster, in right. my opinion. Yeah, yep. for sure. Oh, yeah. So, Especially since he joined with Undisputed Era. And he now has a personality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he wasn't before, you know, when he was against them, you know, you could see that he th- that there was the potential there for him. But then when you put him into the fold and then he just gets to be this arrogant you know, SOB that you just don't like. Right. He fits that role so well. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So going on to the next match. Uh, you had Adam Cole defend the NXT championship against Pete Dunne. Arguably my match of the night. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Arguably. I mean, the the two of them work so well together. Uh-huh. The near falls, the revert, the, the uh, moonsault super kick. Ah. Oh, oh, my God. Ah. So, so good. He hits that just perfect. Beautifully. Yes. Everything about this match was spot on. And this was... It was a good showcase for them, too. Yeah, this definitely shows... Because I know there are still some people who are like, NXT sucks, and it's and they kind of like crap on it to a certain degree. But I think this was like overall everything from top to bottom with the NXT folks. It was a good showing to show, hey, they're not developmental anymore. Well, once... I'll have, I'll have an interesting take once we wrap up the okay. whole thing. That okay. The, that's... Wraps up the weekend very well. Okay. Okay. Uh, after that, you had the WWE Universal Championship match between The Fiend, who defeated Daniel Bryan in 10 minutes. So, uh, so match. Yeah. Like, the, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but, like, going off the heels of the NXT, which, was, like I said, this was an instant classic between Dunn and Adam Cole. And you understand, like, why these two are so highly, you know, touted as being part of the future brand that's coming in. With Bray and Daniel Bryan, you have to compare Bray's Fiend work with this match to the one we did with Seth Rollins. Sure. Mm-hmm. And why did Daniel Bryan figure out the fiend and like hold his own a little better than Seth Rollins? So I think I I have something that because the story to this was the fiends trying to get the yes movement, you know, trying to get that Daniel Bryan back, not necessarily get him back, but you know, try and get him to to change who he is, you know. And I think the power of the yes movement was what, you know, the people being behind Daniel Bryan was what made Daniel Bryan be able to hurt The Fiend more. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that's, like, wicked supernatural and, and yeah. really, like, 1990s-type wrestling. Sure, but, like, sure. I really feel like the, that's the narrative that they're going to come out and say on SmackDown, that, like, Daniel Bryan's going to come out, you know, because he did the yes thing. Yeah, I think he's going to yeah. come out and be, like, you know, embracing the yes movement, and then they're going to have, you know, obviously another match. And I think that's what's going to yield, you know, Daniel Bryan be able to hurt the fiend is that he embraces the yes, he embraces the people, 
and the Fiend, you know, can't have that. See, for me, this was probably the weakest match on the entire main card for me. Well, it just, was yeah. just because you think back to the the card overseas with you know Bray Wyatt versus Seth Rollins, and I, and Seth Rollins threw literally everything he had at the Fiend and couldn't beat him. I'm sitting here going, okay, Daniel Bryan, love you, great wrestler, one of my favorites. You ain't got a shot in hell against him. But and at the same token, I I like the gimmick and the Bray Wyatt and the mysterious and the fiend. But my God, can we please get away with the red light? Make it blue. He's SmackDown blue belt. <laughs> that's like, what I said too. I said, but like, come on. But I think, but that's why I really play into this. I think it's going to be Daniel Bryan and the Yes Movement because the people weren't behind Seth. So I feel like that's the narrative that they're going to say, you know, like why Seth couldn't hurt him no matter what he threw at him because the people weren't behind him. But Daniel Bryan has that. You know, and I, I know it's it's wicked 1990s, but I feel like that's what they're going to tell. Yeah, It is, but you know what? Maybe that's the story going because, like, I, I, that was my only kind of takeaway. I was like, all right, well, how is Daniel Bryan figuring this out? And, and I mean, they needed to humanize the fiend, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because to make him the supernatural, unstoppable force. So he got electrocuted in his last match and stood up. Yeah. Like. Well, I mean, let's not forget, like, mankind. You know, yeah. like, he had that real stretch where, like, you know, especially during, you know, Shawn Michaels' title reign where it was just like, how do you stop him? And then all of a sudden, The Undertaker, you know, was able to do it because he was also a supernatural being. So I just think that it's got to be something like that, that the, the spirit of the yes, you know, carries him through. Yeah. yeah. Overall, though, it was what it was. and Not as bad as the matches that he's had with Seth, but no, no, not great. No, not great. Arguably the worst match of the night. Yeah. Arguably. And that's... It's debatable, but like I said, it didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, after that, you had the men's Survivor Series matchup with Team SmackDown in Braun Strowman, King Corbin, Mustafa Ali, Roman Reigns, and Shorty G going up against Team NXT in Damian Priest, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Tommaso Ciampa, and Walter against Team Raw in Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, Ricochet, and Seth Rollins with Team SmackDown winning. All right. Two quick takes, and then I'll let pass the mic. One. Walter was eliminated way too early. Yes. Bad. That was way, bad. That was yes. bad for being an NXT UK champion yeah. and for being freaking Walter because Walter is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Second, and for being the size that he is. Yeah, to, to have him out like that, no way. Not on my watch. Secondly, two words. Keith Lee, mic drop. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> what a performance. Keith Lee comes out a hero in this. Oh, my. He should have won it. I like. I understand I was going back and forth on Twitter with some people about it and having some good conversations, which is always nice to have with wrestling fans. Yeah. It wasn't toxic. It was everybody seeing everybody's point. It was a great experience. I'm sorry. Keith Lee should have won that match. Uh-huh. It. You didn't need SmackDown to look strong, per se, because at the end of the day, what do you win if your brand wins everything, yeah. do you get a trophy? Do you get to put in your Chiron? Do you like what? Like what is it? <coughs> Excuse me. I like what the one um, somebody I can't remember where I saw it put. What if you do it like you know? If your brand wins, quote unquote, Survivor Series, your brand gets the number thirty spot in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, see, that would make sense. Like, that would make if, sense. If you did something like that, I'd yeah, be like, okay, like I'm down. So, like, you got you like, you got the proverbial uh, ping-pong balls with names on them, and you go, all right, number 30, all right, we got to get all these Raw and SmackDown names out of there. NXT one. It's got to be an NXT guy coming in number 30. Mm. They need to do something for that if you're going to make it worthwhile, because otherwise, like, Roman winning, sure. LOL, Roman wins. Uh, real quick, though, my Keith Lee take, strap 
the rocket ship to him. Because <laughs> yeah. that boy is a taken off. I mean, to be fair, you don't need to strap a rocket to that man because he's very athletic. <sighs> I mean, well, put the ro- you got to get him over the moon, and he did. Yeah, he looked absolutely great. Like, the fact that Rollins took the pin clean yeah. uh-huh. was huge. And I thought you almost had a Jericho moment in making with when it got down to the beach, him and, Ro- and Roman at the end. Because when he hit that power bomb on Roman and Roman bounced, yeah, oh my god, that, that was that should have been game over. I honestly thought for like for a second, I suspended disbelief and I was like, Keith Lee is going to win this freaking match, yeah, and this place is going to lose its shit, yeah, mm-hmm. and it should have happened. It Shut didn't. Up. It didn't. And but overall, I mean, it was a great match for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, just just my only takeaway is Walter losing yeah. that badly. That was not that wasn't smart. Not and, a good look. And I mean, as much as I would have liked to have seen NXT win, I mean, I guess Roman winning probably makes the most sense because it is Roman. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it just him losing clean to Keith Lee probably wouldn't have made a lot of people in the back happy. So I just wish, you know, okay, Roman wins. I would just wish he would have hit a couple more finishers instead of doing his stereotypical hang in the outside, come in, spear, one, two, three, done. Well, that's what he does in these kind of matches because he just doesn't have the skill set to last that long. Yeah. I mean, I'm come at, I'm I'm sorry. It's the truth. He just he can't he doesn't have the stamina to last in those kind of spots. Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those kind of situations where this is where he develops that Cena complex where yep. different different scenario but Right. Well, let's the Cena will put on a 60 man Iron Man match. Yeah. And won't bat an eyelash and it will be a, a good to yeah, decent match. Roman has never had Roman that cardio. Roman will never ever be able to do that. Yeah, he's just he's never had that cardio since his days in NXT. It's just he doesn't have it. But he did get the win. Everybody else looked good. And like I said, they owe something to Walter because yep. for how they did him up like that because that was not cool. Yep. Next match. You had the WWE Championship match against Brock Lesnar defending against Rey Mysterio in a no disqualification match. And Brock Lesnar retained. Garbage. Yeah. I mean, you guys didn't Short. like you didn't like that the Bray Wyatt Daniel Bryan thing. I thought this was way worse. Shortest match on the entire card, and I'm counting pre-show on this. Six minutes and thirty-seven seconds. Good. Six minutes too long. Yeah, this match did absolutely nothing for me, and I, I I'll say this: I didn't enjoy the match. I didn't hate it. I did enjoy the little spot they did with his son. Yeah, with Dominic. Do, with that the, was cool. Yeah, with Dominic, it was the only cool spot. Of like the, 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 the family six one nine. That was cool, but that was about the only good thing. My problem with this is like. All right, Ray. If you're holding on just so you can get help get your son in the door, yeah. Why, like it's just you don't need to do that. I mean, you know, let the kid make his own. Because you see what happens when these guys, David Flair. They, thank you so much. That's exactly what I was going to say. When guys hang on because they want to help their son get over, inevitably the son just doesn't get over. Yeah. And I know Dominic apparently has been working really hard in the training center and, and putting in his time and everything, but it's like. You know, when you hang on and you you strap your name to your son's name and you don't let them make it on their own in the wrestling business, Mm -hmm. it is an almost guarantee that they will not either A, make it, or B, they will just be villainized Mm -hmm. their entire career. You know, Charlotte Flair at least had the guarantee, like the ability to be, you know, separate herself from the dad, her dad, because of her ability to wrestle. David Flair, though, not so lucky. Then you look at uh, uh, Henning. Mm-hmm. You know, doing the Axel gimmick, you know, inevitably wasn't able to make it. So, you know, it's a very tough road to walk when you do that whole t- strapping yourself to your father or your father strapping yourself to the son. 
And you know, Brock matches are Brock matches. I mean, the, I would have liked Kane coming out. Yeah, no, that's what I would have hoped for. Ninety-eight Kane would have been perfect. Yeah, um, no, <laughs> Velasquez. But, yeah, no. My whole thing with this match is kind of like what I said with you know Daniel Bryan going up against the Fiend. Okay, for Seth Rollins to f- defeat Brock Lesnar, it took like nine thousand low blows, right? And and you know ten thousand curb stomps to, for him to beat him. Love you, Ray. Hall of Famer, one of the best to ever do it. You're not beating Brock as he's currently being booked. Yeah, so this one was what it was. They needed a filler match. It worked. But, yeah, but. I really, like, for the way that the night was going, a, a surprise of some sort would have been perfect, and I really think Kane coming in here. Kane should have came in. Yeah, would have been perfect. Like, him and Dominic coming out yeah. would have been perfect. And I know, you know, Kane's, I heard he was at the Performance Center he, like the last uh, month, did think, he have the surgery? Is that what's going I on? I think he's rehabbing right okay, now. Okay, so, so I mean, I guess that makes sense. Maybe even just him standing up at the ramp and then Dominic coming from the crowd would yeah. have been perfect because that would have been like, oh, Kane, Dominic, you know, like maybe that, but instead just being Dominic, I don't know. That's just, I don't I don't care. Like Dominic is just. Yeah. The Dominic storyline is not moving the needle for Yeah, me. it's no. just not, like I don't care because it doesn't have the star power for me, yeah. you know? It's just there, but Brock did his thing, so now he's going to disappear till Royal, Royal Rumble. Rumble. Royal Rumble. Yep. Yeah. So, See ya. Yeah, so. They'll book, and they'll, enjoy Canada. They'll book separate. <laughs> yeah, but then we close out with one of the most anticipated matches. Yeah, because we really didn't know how this one was going to go. A yeah. lot of buildup. Yeah, a lot of buildup. You had, of course, the triple threat match between the three women's champions in Shayna Baszler from NXT. Bailey from SmackDown and Becky Lynch from Raw with Shayna Baszler winning by submission. Thoughts on this, Coach? I thought this match was tremendous. They booked this so well. The girl, Becky, Bailey, uh, Blazer. Ken, get ready for this. Hold on to your seat. I think Blazer does better with the with the main roster girls. I you, we actually discussed this at the War Games match because Rich Rich and company want to have a little discussion when you come on about your opinion of Shayna Baszler. I thought she was great. In this. She was great. I actually watched the match and enjoyed her way more because I mean maybe it's just the way that she gets booked against the NXT girls, which I mean I don't know you know whatever. But when she was in the main ring with Becky and Bailey, I was sitting there watching it and I was like, wow, she is really talented yeah like, this is she's really good this is a really good match like oh man so i mean for me i guess if she has another title match on nxt i'll you know not care and and have other disdain for it but if she wrestles becky or bailey again sign me up for it i'll be the first one to watch the match this one definitely was a lot better than i thought it was going to be but i thought their timing was off again too and which i don't know if that's something with becky in a three-way match yeah she yeah yeah well, it's so funny, like this whole card being triple threat match. Like Vince is known for hating mm-hmm. triple threat matches yeah. and only booking them by necessity. Yeah. And then you look at this card being all triple threat. Like yeah. this literally must have been his definition of hell. <laughs> it, well, it definitely was. You could see it was more Triple H booking than it was Vince. Well, so. right, right. But I'm but just no, saying. But I like, agree with you. But, but I agree. He must have been. Anxiety must have been like an all time high for him. He, yeah. he, he must have been doing the XFL fantasy draft. Like <laughs> yeah. that, that's what he must have been doing there. But this one definitely had a lot of hype behind it. And especially they're planting the seeds. And if you don't see this one coming, Shayna Baszler, Becky Lynch, Royal Rumble. Yeah. yeah. That match is going to happen. And in fact, I think if Ronda Rousey is not pregnant, because that's why she took time off. For right. Her, well, it might even be Becky family. Mania. I don't think they get mania. I think I think if anything, Ronda if Ronda's right if Ronda is coming well, back. No, I'm saying Blazer wins the rumble. 
because there will be a women's rumble again. Know, maybe. And, you know, with her having the NXT title eventually, because you got to get it off her between now and, and the rumble, I highly doubt that she loses it before then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not going to just have her do it so then you can book her for the rumble. So I think that along the way, maybe the takeover before the rumble, she loses it, enters the match. Because, yeah, I mean, that that will be a great mania. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm all for that, and like I said, it all depends on what's going on in Rousey's personal life. Like if she's yeah. coming back, because I mean, if you've been watching Total Divas, which Dog has, and he's been telling me about this, <laughs> filling you in. Yeah, he does, no, he watches it. Like he is, a, like I wish he would write a column about it. Cause oh he actually, God, he watch no Dog watches. Dog I mean, watches listen, I'm not judging him. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, like, ugh, yeah, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, no, but he watches, and that's what he's saying. Like Rhonda was talking about starting a family. So sure, I, depending on what she wants to do, because if she comes back. You know the money matches her and Lynch. Yeah, you know the one on the one on one this time, not a not a third person in this. Right, that's what we got to see. But Baszler definitely took advantage of the opportunity. Bailey was there, and and I almost feel like she got the short end of the stick. Yeah, but I you mean, had to you had to have somebody get the pin, and they they sure as hell weren't going to give it to Becky Lynch. Yeah, no, and, I, and I grant you, but even for her being the new Bailey, and just like almost like the shooter role, like she's right. all business and. I almost felt like she got overshined a bit, and that's, I mean, they're just kind of even teasing about it, like in the promos, but I think it actually came true, and I think the timing, again, and when this one was off, like, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of like, you know, you know, oversaturation from wrestling for the past two days, but it kind of got to the main event on this one, I was like, it's good, but it's not, like, the best, but I was so happy with Baszler getting the win, but I absolutely hated Becky had to get the final say. And the shot at the end. I mean, come on. I hated that. I'm come sorry. On. I'm sorry. That she was excluded from the pinfall. You knew that. You know they wanted to do get Becky over in some way somehow so she could close out the night. I. I mean, I was under the the pretense uh, by a friend who, uh, well, George again was uh, hinting that there might be why the women were booked to main main event was because there's going to be a big surprise. Yeah, I, I figured and Rousey or. Rossi was coming or AJ or AJ Lee. Lee, and that's what I was. That's what kept me up because otherwise I was just going to go to bed and watch it the next morning because I was like, "Ah, oh, Blazers in the match, I don't care." Mm-hmm. But then watch the whole thing. Obviously, enjoyed myself, but I was under the pretense that I thought somebody was going to show up, and nobody did. Yeah. And that would have been perfect because then Becky ones up Blazer, and then that would have been a really good spot for Ronda to come out and defend her girl. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you're not going to one-up my friend, you know, and then her end the night with Becky on her back. Yeah. That's, listen, if you, WWE, my phone number, if you want book, <laughs> if you want me to book, I'll help. Just give me a call. You, you find, find him on Twitter, at folks. 281-330-8004. Yeah, I mean, at Coach Duffy 11 you know, come at me. I'll help out, you know, small ideas, little tidbits. But overall, final thoughts on the weekend. Great weekend. All right. I told you I had one. Survivor Series arguably probably one of the best main card pay-per-views they've had all year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Was it because the NXT guys were on? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the state of the WWE right now. I think what the WWE needed What would the card have been without them on there? It would have been a very generic card because they just set up the draft that everybody's on their new shows. Right. You would have almost had almost, and note how I'm wording this, you would almost have had an AEW situation where you don't have storylines set in and you're just kind of throwing people into matches and hoping it sticks. Mm-hmm. That I think the NXT idea was brilliant, and especially for getting exposure to NXT, so fans that are 
only knowing about AEW on Wednesday nights or only Raw and SmackDown now know what this brand is capable of. Right. So basically, this is one hell of a PR piece. Yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting thing because you remove those NXT guys and you talk about the best match of the night, Adam Cole and Pete Dunne. Yeah. The best moment of the night, Keith Lee dominating the Survivor Series match. Mm-hmm. The coolest, you know, like the uh, the sneakiest thing, Roderick Strong being able to sneak the pin against AJ AJ Styles and, and Shinsuke. Mm-hmm. Real, real Lipley. Rhea Ripley looking like a damn star. Yeah. Shayna Blazer going over Bailey and Becky. Mm -hmm. You take away all those things and you strip that down, and this show is just bleh. They have to reorganize the entire card. Yeah, sure. Of course you have to reorganize the whole card, but it's way less of a pay-per-view than this was. Fully agree on that. You got no no argument from me about that. But definitely let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about the WWE's big weekend? Did you Were you a fan and were you not? And why? Definitely interact with us. We want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH. Pad, what you got for the local minute? Well, local minute, of course, we are talking Binghamton Devils hockey. Looking at their games from the last week, they won their game up in Utica by the final score of 5-4, to four, getting a little revenge for that egregious game they had uh, that I went to a couple weeks ago. Uh, came back home for a game against the Senators and lost by the final score of 6-3. to three. Had a game again at home uh, on Saturday against the Americans where they lost by the final score of 4-2. to two. Switching to their games up upcoming this week. They've got a game on Friday, November 29th uh, against the Senators. Game time 7.05. And then they've got a home game again against the Syracuse Crunch this coming Saturday on November 30th. Game time 7 o'clock. More information, BinghamtonDevils.com. Coach, you got that Binghamton Bulldogs lineup? Yes, they had a big win over Spa City, which is a conglomerate of teams upstate, uh, by a score of 121 to 116. Oh, a little close this week. Yeah, um, Spa City ranked in the top 25 and undefeated going into that game. The Bulldogs are back home uh, Saturday, November 30th, 7.05, against the Oneana Octane. Mm. And the regional uh, place uh, division uh, standings just came out with the Binghamton Bulldogs currently sitting in first place in the Northeast region uh, because they have more wins by playing more games than the current second-place team, Syracuse Stallions, who still remain in first place overall in the ABA standings with the Binghamton Bulldogs coming in at fifth. The countdown to January is still very much on. Ken, are we ready? Oh, we're there. It's close. We're there. These, right around the corner. The social media smack talk is picking up lately. Ooh, yeah, it is. I so, used to all the well, just this post right here is a very subtle shot by the quote here of uh your Binghamton Bulldogs sit in first place in the Northeast region with a record of six and oh. now this was edited because it said something earlier yeah, that was a little spicy. I, I remember seeing by that. By play too. yeah, because it said something about playing by playing more games. We're in first place, which was a little dig at the 5-0 and Stallions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so it's picking up steam, folks. So if you are into some high drama at the basketball game, you definitely want to get down for that January 11th. Coach and I will be in there by hook or by crook 
through an open window if we have to get into if we can't get tickets. We'll climb in through the back door. I know I know that church very well. We'll sneak right in through the back. Yeah, we'll, we'll be in full attendance. We might have to. I don't know. We'll do Facebook Live. We'll see. We'll yeah, see. it might get real ham. Yeah, we we might. Yeah, this is gonna be out of control. So if you're ever gonna get to one Binghamton Bulldogs game this year, this is the one you go to more than the All Star game. I will go on record. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. this is going to be an all star game. Watch this be the game where there's like a three foot blizzard that comes through. Okay. Whatever. We'll be there with we'll be there with shovels ready. I will I will get the sleds and the dogs and we will mush our way there. Hashtag have my coffee. Whoosh. <laughs> We're good. Somebody call, somebody call Balto. Yeah, let's go. We'll we'll make that happen. Bing tennis shoes tennis rack shoes. That's what we'll have. <laughs> we oh, will tennis. make it there. Oh, take it take it back old school. Yeah. We might have to get a big group for this. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, we, I know we haven't rolled in that deep in a while we might have to get everybody pad make plans that night we'll bring the dog down we'll bring 3fn down i don't know get if, real rowdy yeah i don't know if we can bring mike c down mike c might get out of control <laughs> well we might need mike c there if yeah. things get out of hand yeah we might need him we'll have to see <laughs> that actually probably be the best mike if you got nothing going on in january can you uh please be our bodyguard yes if, if not mike just have the bail money ready because we're gonna need it. yes <laughs> kidding where tim's yes Oh, it's going to be a fun night down at that game. Let me tell you, January 11th, BinghamtonBulldogs.com for more information, and especially find them on Facebook. That's where they're most That's active. where they are. So let us go round those bases, shall we? Pad, why don't you lead us off? Sure. Well, you think I might be talking something baseball because I'm the baseball guy, but hey, things are kind of status quo with the Houston, Houston Astros situation. Nothing has developed from there. So I'm going to look at a little college football action because it is, quote-unquote, rivalry week this coming weekend in college football with some great matchups to look forward to. Of course, you've got Ohio State go taking on Michigan, Clemson, take, Snooze Fest. Clemson taking on South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech, and then, you, of course, you've got the Iron Bowl, Alabama going up against Auburn. A lot of good matchups. This <clears> week. <throat> um, yeah, Notre Dame's playing, too. They play Stanford at 430. Thank you very much. On the West Coast. Big game for Notre Dame, sitting at 8-2 and two right now, outside the playoff picture, sitting at 15th with a three-loss SEC team in front of them. Of course, see, SEC he, homers that the see, committee is. And I thought you were here, you were talking about Army taking on Hawaii. Hey, that will what a clash of styles that is. Yeah, you yeah. want to talk? Yeah, you want to talk about two teams that don't work well together right there. Yeah, yeah. who's booking that? Well, who knows? But <laughs> a lot of good matchups, like I said, Florida, Florida State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma That's State. That, that should be a good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lot, of good, a lot of good games. The Ohio State-Michigan game, folks, is at 12. A high because, noon. Yeah, because you know that's when the ratings are, is the 12 o'clock game. Yeah. Yeah, surprising. That's, Fox. Yeah, surprising. Like, that's, wake up. Yeah. I should, mean, that should be at 8 o'clock at night. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That should like, be 8 oh, o'clock. Yeah. I am all for Notre Dame and Stanford playing at 430, like whatever. But, I mean, they're not ranked. You know, Stanford's not ranked, having a bad year. But how are you putting on Saturday afternoon this big of a game? That should be prime time TV, baby. I wish I had a good answer. I got nothing. I well, I know because that's what Fox, Fox apparently loves these noon games because that's when they put their main event games versus the ABC game, you know, which is always you know must watch Saturday Night Football for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, minus that Memphis week, but whatever. yeah, we don't even get into that. So <laughs> that being said, a lot of good college football this weekend. So definitely check that out. Coach, what you got for your basis? I know you wanted to bring up the fact that Melo bow, 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 has returned to the NBA Try in Portland. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want to talk about Brooklyn. I want to talk about the fact that their big free agent signing and Kyrie Irving decides to sit out three games in a row on this road trip that they're going on. Egregious. Ask me who they're playing on this road trip. Who are they playing, Coach? Who are they playing? They're playing Boston. Okay. They're playing Cleveland. 
and they played the Knicks. Are they playing Boston in Boston? They're playing Boston. It's a road trip. They're it's playing Boston trip. in Boston. Oh. Soft. Soft like vanilla ice cream. Soft like Enzo Amore soft. You punk, punk. Not able to travel because of a little itty-bitty injury against three teams that are supposed to be big games? That's cowardly. Especially for the drama that he left in the path. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. how... You you can't you you can't put on your big boy pants and go to Boston. You're gonna have to go there inevitably. No, no, unless he ducks out, which I mean, how, how I wouldn't be that? surprised. Yeah, because I was playoff time. All of a sudden, he can't play in the playoffs I was anymore. Expe- I was expecting him to come by for the Knicks at least, because the Knicks almost won that game and only lost by two. And well, that was without RJ Barrett, mind you. Yeah. So imagine if RJ was there. Listen, I just I, I took a shot. I should probably apologize. I'm not going to, but I should. I mean, seriously though, like. How do you, on this three games, uh, when you're playing these three teams that you've had your name associated to, how do you punk out and not show up? That's just cowardly at best. Honest, whatever. No. Like, call me call me whatever you want. That's cowardly. No, he should have been there because it just, the narrative, the, you know, perception is reality. Exactly. And the fact that he missed out on all the drama he caused in all three of those cities. Right. And he's definitely. I mean, the Boston thing. They would have villainized. I mean, that that, crowd bo- that Boston gone nuts. game. That Boston game's on ESPN too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Whoa. Oh yeah. Listen, this was a calculated move. This mm-hmm. was a. Oh, what's the stretch of that schedule? Oh, my shoulder. Oh, that old rotator cuff from high school starting to act up again. That's exactly what this is. That's Even KD, for as cupcake as he's been called. Still went back to OKC and played in their first game. Yeah. So I mean, let's talk about mental fortitude here. That's why he's not in the Mecca. That's exactly because he you couldn't just, handle the Mecca. Exactly. Stay in Brooklyn. Nobody, but, nobody's paying attention there. Let's be positive. Melo is playing basketball again. That is tremendous. Portland, good fit. Needed a shooter. Needed an additional hand, especially with Damian Lillard being out. How he fits for the duration of the season, we'll see. I yeah. mean, defensively, let's face it. No, not, not mellow strong. Not, not so, mellow so, strong. So you're saying they shouldn't start giving getting his ring size? No, I should also. We should also probably say that there's not enough basketballs because Damian Lillard's at least putting up 20 to 30 shots a night. Hashtag Dame time. Yeah, CJ McCollum's at least putting up 15 to 20 shots a night. So these nights of mellow getting 18 to 22. Probably not going to be there towards the end of the no. year. No, but no. at least he kind of gets that on his his own terms, so to speak. Sure, and yeah. I mean the fact that he I, like I was really I tried to really give this like a bipartisan look. You know, Melo honestly doesn't really fit in today's NBA. No, no. And I mean, I, it pains for me to say it, but you know, when he was with the Knicks in that run, that was still an era where. You know, you were trying to get volume scoring with inside the three-point line and having guys post up. That's just not today's NBA. Like, you're not trying to do that anymore. It's all, you know, three-point and beyond, you know, making deep looks, being able to run the perimeter and, and shoot on the run. And that's just, unfortunately, not things that Melo was good at, you know, running the floor and all those things. So when you really take, like, a hard look at it and you understand why he wasn't in it, why he wasn't playing, I should say, mm-hmm. like, I kind of get it. Like, yeah. yeah, like I love Melo and what he did with the Knicks and everything, but there's a reason why teams were signing him. Yeah. And it's that reason. I, I'm. It sucks to admit it, but it's the truth. It is what it is, so you can't say anything more than that. But it's good to see him back but for he's a little back. bit. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this uh, – I my I really hope that this run ends well yep. and not in a, you know, coach's decision, not dressed – type run like it was in Houston and then inevitable release like that's what I fear 
Because if it's something like that, that will be heartbreaking. It will be, but just the fact he's in there, we got to relish it now while he's there. And like I said, he's putting up some points, so it's not like he's wasting space on the court. So obviously we hope Melo does well out there if he's not going to be playing in the Mecca, just as long as he doesn't do it to the Knicks. I'm cool with that. So for my base, i got to talk about boxing because actually there was no UFC this yeah, past weekend. Yeah, rare, rare weekend. Yeah, we're not doing anything UFC-wise until there's a fight night on the December 7th, and then the Ooh. big pay-per-view, I believe, is the 14th, the, oh. the three title defenses. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is going to be a on, long night. Yeah, that's on the 14th. But there was some boxing action going on. Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber himself, came back and – knocked out Luis Ortiz in the seventh round after he was losing that fight, and that was an ugly fight, too. I'll say I like the one comment I saw on the MMA subreddit where I saw the the highlight of the end of the fight where somebody said, uh, Deontay Wilder won this in the most Deontay Wilder way, losing every round of the, of the match until he knocked the guy out. Yeah. No, legitimately, that is exactly how you sum up this fight. And to think of how scary his knockout power is, seventh round, just a straight shot, and you saw Ortiz yep. just crumble. Yeah. So, obviously, literally, like, the way the sweat came off of his opponent. Like, find the highlight and, and watch the, for the slow-motion replay where, you know, he knocks him out. It looked like the sweat coming off of him looks like his spirit leaving his body. Yeah, so obviously this builds for the inevitable rematch um, with Tyson Fury. And with Anthony Joshua Ruiz coming up, too, that rematch is coming up December 7th. I mean, the luster is gone between Joshua and Wilder, so yep. this Wilder Fury is the only thing I'm caring about for this heavyweight title fight. What about Canelo Triple G? Uh, no, because that was already settled twice. <laughs> Triple G is <laughs> Triple, G, Triple G beat him. I'm sorry. You can come at me on OD Parlay Hour. I'll debate that all day. But Wilder obviously bringing his record up to 42-0 and 0 with one draw, one decision, but 41 knockouts. That's, in, that's just insane. That's filthy. Stat. Yeah. Wins by KO. 41. It's an insane stat. So, obviously, we'll have to wait and see the Joshua fight. I have no interest in, but if that happens, Wilder's going to knock him out, too. And it's going to be quick. So, give me Fury, Wilder all day for right now for boxing. So, let's close this out, shall we? It's time to give those locks and leaps for the Thanksgiving week. Now, we know it's a short week because there's three games on Thanksgiving. And if you are celebrating Thanksgiving, we wish you a happy Thanksgiving here from the ODPH. But let's give us our locks and leaps. Pad, are you ready to kick us off? Sure. I'm going to look at uh, my lock is going to be the Kansas City Chiefs going up against the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Oakland looking real terrible these days. Kansas City looking real good. Kansas City favored by 10 points, so I think they're going to be able to pull that one off. Looking at my leap, I'm looking at two teams, both 6-5. and five. That is the Tennessee Titans going up against the Indianapolis Colts. Currently, the Colts are favored by 2.5 points, but I think Tennessee, you know, it's a road game. It's a divisional game. I, you know, they've been looking good the last couple weeks. Especially Derrick Henry, that like 74 or whatever yard touchdown run was absolutely insane. Yeah, I took the Titans as my, oh, lock, my okay. leap too. So I'm just showing Pat because I yep, wrote yeah. it down before we all started. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give, give your lock then too. All right, so my lock, I'm going with Cleveland. Oh, okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm sticking to the guns. They're, uh, point, or actually, the spread just went up to two points Ooh. as we have been recording. So I'm going with the Browns against Steelers. It's going to be a hard-fought game, and uh, this is going to be a lot of motion. This is going to be the game to watch of the week, so I definitely want to talk about it next week. So I'm going to roll those dice, um, and I'll even give a spoiler for everybody. Buffalo is going to beat Dallas on Thanksgiving. Unofficial pick. <coughs> Coach, you ready? Well, I was. I, I see a West Coast team traveling east playing at 1 o'clock. Statistically, the numbers are there that they will lose this game and lose it ugly. Just to remind our listeners, coach's record on this one and one. It's 49ers versus the Ravens. I want to pick it, but nay. I'm going all Thanksgiving Day. I'm okay. going all Turkey Day special here. Okay. 
my lock is going to be the New Orleans Saints going into Atlanta. Seven-point favorites. They are going to absolutely put a whooping on the Falcons in a vengeance-seeking game. I mean, to be fair, I think I said essentially the same thing a couple weeks ago and that bit me in the butt. Right. And I understand and agree with that, but this New Orleans team was looking ahead when they played Carolina to this Atlanta game because they know that it is on Thanksgiving Day night, that they are going to be the primetime game. All eyes will be on them. They are going to absolutely make a statement game, New Orleans. And my leap, Ken, you alluded to it with your guarantee here. Nobody circles the wagons. There we go. Like the Buffalo Bills. Seven-point dogs going into Dallas. That is stupid money. That is egregious. Absolutely take Buffalo. Take the points. They will definitely, I mean, maybe not win, but they will at least cover. That is for damn sure. This defense is too good. How mad will Jerry Jones be if he loses to the Patriots and the Bills in the span of like four days? Hopefully good enough to fire Jason Garrett so the Giants can hire him. (laughs) That is what I'm also banking on right now. That could possibly happen. I mean, I am very okay with it if it is. So I'm going to go Buffalo, 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 whatever you guys say up there. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. Bring the tables. Bills Mafia, where are we at? We're going to get loud on Thanksgiving because I'm actually super excited that we actually are going to have the Bills on Thanksgiving. Day. Just don't break the tables before you eat. Yes. Let's get the spread yes. off. No, yes. that, that, eat. that's why I'm eating at like one. Yeah, don't put anybody Don't put anybody through the turkey. Get the turkey to the side. Get the side. stuffing out of the way. Move world. the stuffing, the best thing of Thanksgiving. True Never story. enough of it. Get it to the side. Then put the people through the table. True story. Get on the that gravy one. out of there too, because then it's just going to get Ooh. real messy. Could be hot. Could hurt. Yeah, yeah. That's don't, for sure. Don't, we don't need any food injuries. We already have enough going through tables. Exactly. No, nobody needs the wishbone up there. Uh, Hello. Ew. Ew. So on that note, Coach, you know I'm not reading a cue card. I'm just going to look right at the wall. The, Staring at the wall, folks. The music you heard on this week's episode is that of Shout at the Robots. They are playing Thanksgiving Eve at the Lost Dog Cafe on a. Big, big, big show. So if you're going to be out in the 607, you want to get down to support them. If not, shout out the robots.bandcam.com or just go to ochoduroparleyhour.com slash music and you can find out about them. Walking Distance, Honker, Fair City Fire, all the great music you hear on the show. You can also go check out hashtag 607 podcast where you can find out about Three Fat Nerds, Horror Zone 607, 8122 Productions. Did you know that they are on Patreon and adding more stuff to their Patreon? So whatever subscriber you're at level, the dollar level, or the Chubby Chaser $3 level, they have stuff for you to sign up and enjoy. So you definitely want to check that out. You can also check out Parlay Points, the complimentary blog section to the Ocho Doro Parlay Hour podcast, where this week we might be doing one instead of a second show. It just depends on how Thanksgiving goes this week. Still staring at the wall. It's crazy how I'm doing this. And we also want to give a shout-out to everybody in Next Wave and on Pod Nation, which if you were wondering where their group is, you can find them on podchaser.com. Type in for the list. You can check out all the great podcasts you see on there. Shout-out to True Crime Lab Podcast, too. I know they just subscribed. We just saying shout out to everybody on the IndiePod circuit. They are putting in some great work, so definitely check that out on podchaser.com. And if you want to find a link to that, ochoduroparlayar.com, because that's where we go for everything that is the ODPH. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. Happy Thanksgiving? Uh, no, I think I said that earlier. Okay. Yeah, he did. I, I, th- All right. I he think did. I snuck in there. Pass the stuffing. Hashtag pass the stuffing. Hashtag right. challenge accepted. What up, Never three, enough. What up 3FN? So on that note, that is all we got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Happy Thanksgiving, and make sure there's enough stuffing, period. 
for Padawan J. Happy Thanksgiving and Co- John Calipari still coaching at Kentucky. <laughs> yes, keep him there. Keep him on. Keep him out of Madison Square Garden. I'm your host Ken. M. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hey.